Not only cancel the Super Bowl, cancel the Super Bowl that the Pope plays in. Welcome to season six, where we're phoning it in. You don't think critically and then put a Pop-Tart into your body. I am highly caffeinated and minorly concussed. Aruga, aruga. What came first, the love sack or the gravity gun? It's my turn to do a sin with Sonic. This is for the freaks. <laughs> Too much piss. That's the kind of bad decisions we like to hear about. Let me a sleepy ass bat. How much shrimp can you fit in your mortal body? You told me you guys would be cool. That's season six intro material right there. Hello and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and T-Pain's new cover album. Listeners, it was not 10 seconds ago <laughs> that I said, hey, have you guys listened to T-Pain's new cover album? And Kyle said, Matt, shut up. That's my opening bit. We'll talk about it on recording. Here I am. I have listened to T-Pain's cover album, and it slaps. It, it slaps slaps. Nuts. It's so good. Um, I posted it in our Discord. I linked to it in our Discord. If you aren't in our Discord, you should um, go to patreon.com slash debate this cast and figure out how to do that. Um, but T-Pain has a cover album. Came out in this year, in the year of our Lord, 2023, and it rules. Um, and one of the songs is War Pigs? War Pigs. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what sure I was, that's where I was going you next. You could have given me, like, I don't know, a hundred guesses. The like track list is guesses. insane, dude. The classical piano bridge in the middle of the album, just because T Pain plays keys. Mm -hmm. Like, listen, I'm I am secretly a pretty big T Pain fan. Rapaturnt Singer was like a a very instrumental, a album seminal in album in my childhood. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I fucking love T Pain. And um, on top of the covers is the name of the album. Yeah, dude. it is. His cover of Tennessee Whiskey fucks. It's so oh. good. Yeah. Man. Um, it's all good. Um, listen to T-Pain's... Listen to On Top of the Covers, because it rules. There's a T-Pain there's a podcast now. This is a T-Pain. Debate this stands for T-Pain. <laughs> <laughs> debate T-Pain. Uh, I had this whole intro planned out. I don't want to do it, because it's kind of dumb. Um... Guys, we're doing a flavor text today. Um, this flavor text was commissioned by friend of the pod, longtime, longtime debater, uh, Sharkbait, who asked us to do a follow-up flavor text to our Avatar The Last Airbender flavor text that I did two years ago. Um, with Has it the been two years since we talked about Avatar? It sure has, Matt. 2021, those episodes <sighs> dropped. Oh, God. Oh, man. Yeah. Time is a cruel and and fickle thing. Sure is. Sorry. As you were. No, you're good. Um, I'm doing Avatar Legend of Korra, the sequel series to Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, guys, what do you know about Legend of Korra? What do you think? What are, what are we what are we expecting going into this? Is this series done? The series has is done. The story. Okay. It has. Well, well, I've I've shown my whole ass by letting ten, you know that ten ish years ago. When did? Oh no. 
Uh, last um, season finale air series finale aired in 2014. So yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm still. It's not a retro game yet. So <laughs> I um I watched Avatar original recipe. Um, I have not consumed Avatar extra crispy, and um the only thing that I have watched out of any of this is clips that end up in my YouTube algorithm just because I am who I am. Um, and at one point I got into a big kick of watching just rad things. The benders were doing that didn't involve their original elements as described in the like original series. And I saw a woman shoot blasts of fire out of her head, out of an eyeball in the middle of her head. Yeah. That's in the original, that's in the original series. It's a it? callback yeah. to that. Yeah. Oh, we'll God. get there. We'll get there, Todd. Yeah. It seems like seems like they just they took a lot of liberties with what element bending is at the end of this. Also, uh, the clip you the clip you had us watch, it like they keep referencing like, oh, the Avatar is out there and this American gladiator thing. And it seems like no one actually gives a shit that there's an avatar. Like this whole We'll talk about thing, that. Okay, good. Because again, knowing nothing about the series, they're like, "Oh, the Avatar is not doing great." I'm like, "This <laughs> is like a prophesized thing." There's like <laughs> less than ten of these things. It'd be like if the Pope. Like... If, it'd be like if the Pope played football and no one cared. Right. Yeah, and they're like, "What?" <laughs> Pope had a shoddy return on that punt, and you're like, "But he's the Pope." <laughs> Show some reverence. So that's yeah. what I know about Avatar: uh, Legend of Korra. I have also not watched Legend of Korra. I did, after the last flavor text, go back and finish Last Airbender. I had never seen the last season. So I've seen all of Avatar The Last Airbender now. I've not seen Korra. Uh, It's on my list. I know that it is objectively like a little bit less for me than the original Avatar is, but I'm really excited to hear about the story today. Most of what I know about it is what you and others um, in our our weird little nerd circle have told me. And yeah, Kyle had Todd and I watch the... Oh, Andrew's not here. Um, he died. Anyway. He's uh, dead. Yeah. He died. <laughs> he can't come to the phone right now. He, He's dead. He did some experimental air Andrew, Andrew not being here. Andrew not being here is why I forgot to do the nickname bit. So we're going to... We're going to just keep going without the nickname bit. Well, All right. we can plug it in. Yeah, we can I mean, plug we can it in if we whatever. want. Okay. And whatever. Editing anyway, magic. Watch me. Anyway, I have not seen Korra. I've heard a lot about it from you guys. Kyle had us watch the like a, a comp of pro-bending. And boy, does pro-bending seem awesome. I'm so <laughs> into that. You, you showed me the person who spent the last three nights watching 2021's series of BattleBots, a pro-bending <laughs> video, and I'm the whole way in, baby. The, the, the pro-bend, I knew the pro-bending was going to be a good hook for you, Matt, because you you can't help but shout about knife sports every time we, You're uh, so right, you get Kyle. the opportunity. And what is, I, what is pro-bending if not the knife sports of the Avatar world? Truly. What I liked most about it is that, like, obviously they're throwing blasts of, of fire because fire bending and blasts of water, water bending, which inherently are not lethal 
if you get hit what like by a blast of fire, you're probably not going to die based upon how much you're getting or water is going to throw. But then they're throwing around big stone weights, and like that would kill a person. That they would annihilate you. Well, they they kind of hand wave it that it's like they're soft clay. Like it just like right. it like breaks on you and like knocks mm-hmm. you around. But yes. I, yes, I'm gonna I want to throw a soft clay plate at Todd's chest and see how it does. He wouldn't not be great. happy. No, um, would not be happy. So, just like last time, guys, I am going to take us through all the seasons of this sequel and follow up to The Last Airbender. And also, like last time, I can't do it alone. And that is why I am joined by Todd Unalak Thomas and Matt Zahir Cole to take you through this wild series about bending sports, magically powered mechs, and how all of your heroes are flawed human beings and and make mistakes just like you. Um, I have my hand raised. Yes, uh, Todd. Magic powered mechs. Magic powered mechs. Yep, we'll Fantastic. get there. You, you, you be patient, sweet little Todd. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> um, before we dive in, I have one more question for you two. Um. Please tell me, each of you, your, like, favorite cool bending you remember from The Last Airbender. I'll go I don't first care who goes I first. Stole the one that, well, I stole the one that Matt was going to pick. Um, so in Avatar The Last Bender, The Last Airbender, there's a scene where they're, like, raiding an airship, I think, and Toph, like, kicks in a door and the metal door like lands on the floor and then Toph jumps on the metal door and wraps the metal around herself and gets encased in all this metal armor and then like does her impression of the ring girl and crawls on the ceiling and just ruins the day of these two guards who were just like <laughs> James Bond henchmening their day away. <laughs> and suddenly this like wrapped in metal demonic child just ruins their whole day by just fucking up their shit. Mentally and physically, and I think that's rad. I also was going to talk about metal bending because Toph is like objectively my favorite character in Avatar, but I dug a little deeper because Todd said he took mine, and I had I I had one I was gonna talk about, and then I found another I was gonna talk about, and then in researching, I was like, fuck those other two. I'm gonna talk about this one. And the one I want to talk about is uh, the guy named Who and the other waterbenders from the swamp, because my favorite bending oh. moment uh, is the giant swamp monster that the guy's like, I just use water bending to hang out in these vines. That's very funny. <laughs> I like that they put a, like, a bunch of rednecks in that show and also that they gave them swamp powers. That's very fun. Good. Thank you. Remember, remember those that. because cool feats of bending are going to come up a lot in this recap and and we need a a jumping off point to compare them to um one last thing before i dive in listeners if you to this point don't know any of the things we are talking about um pause here and go listen to the flavor text i did two years ago um flavor text avatar the last airbender listen to that first um and then take 
take three weeks and watch Avatar The Last Airbender because it is a fantastic piece of animation, and then come back and listen to this episode. Um, but if you aren't going to do all that, a quick, 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 quick recap of Avatar The Last Airbender is um, this place. The story takes place in a world where uh, people people are born with the ability to control the four elements, uh, fire, water, earth, and air via a form of martial arts known as bending. Um, there is a tyrannical fire nation attack on the rest of the world and a small boy who is the avatar, the only person able to do all four types of bending has to master all four elements and, um, overthrow the fire Lord and save the world. That is well, everything changed when the fire nation attacked. Everything changed when the fire nation attacked Todd. Um, that is doing a massive disservice to how good this series is. Again, please go listen to the flavor text, the previous flavor text, and go watch the show. But in case you didn't do that, I don't want you to be entirely lost. Um, so let's get started. Uh, Legend of Korra takes place after the events of Avatar The Last Airbender, 70 years after, to be exact. Um... Upon defeating Fire Lord Ozai, Aang and his crew, affectionately referred to as the gang for the rest of this, a uh, gang with two A's, is, uh, takes to undoing all the damage caused by a hundred years of Fire, Fire Nation imperialism um, and claim back territory claimed by the Fire Nation and make it into a new nation, a new sovereign nation called the United Republic of Nations. Um, it is the first democracy in this world. Um, it's a new nation created with the intention to serve as a society where benders of all nations and non-benders can live and thrive together. Um, the capital of the United Republic is Republic City. Naming conventions are great. Um, right. And will serve as the main setting for at least the first two seasons of this show. Um, it's kind of home base for the show. Um, and a lot changes in 70 years. Um, there's a big technological jump. Um, basically, we we catch up to the series in kind of the middle to tail end of like its industrial revolution. Um, all the advances the Fire Nation made like through war get shared with the rest of the the nations and there's like cars and electricity and and like generally the whole vibe feels like the 1920s plus magic if that makes sense while ang zuko and everybody are building this new nation ang also has like the additional responsibility of rebuilding the air nomad nation and preserving their knowledge and culture and airbending. Um, Ang and, Ang and Katara have three kids. The youngest of which is named Tenzin is the only airbender born out of the group. Um, Tenzin is voiced by JK Simmons and is a main character Perfect. in this series and Whoa. rules. Yeah. Um, and, here he is. 
Yeah. Um, Tenzin is the one on the the right there. The one on the left is okay. uh, middle-aged Aang. Middle-aged right. Aang, you say? He looks a little older than middle-aged to me. Than me personally. He's like... I don't I'm I don't know where the cutoff begins and ends for middle-aged, but that is like 40-year-old Ang. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, so Tenzin there on the right is the first airbender born since the Fire Nation's genocide 120 years prior. Um yada yada, we catch up, we fill in some more some more of like what Ang was up to throughout the run. But this is an Ang story. So, like, after a long life, after founding this new nation, Ang dies, and the new avatar is born in the Southern Water Tribe. Um, I I have a question for yes. babies that don't know how things work, like me. Is the way that it works is there's only like one avatar at a time? Like, yes, an avatar dies, and then a new avatar can be born. Yes, and they're always born in like the next. There's a order the the elements are in, and they're always mm-hmm. born in the next like bending to to the next bending practice. So like after so the, is it is it, it well went, known that what that order is? It's been figured out. So like in a, in the last in the last Airbender, we know the previous two avatars were Earth, then Fire then air um okay. avatar kiyoshi then avatar roku who was like the mentor to ang throughout that series and then gotcha. ang was air so next would it would make sense as water so water south pole um cool and we get cora cora is takes to bending very very quickly um and when the order of the white lotus finds her at four years old, she is already very proficient in water, earth, and fire bending. So this is baby Shit. Cora. Um, this is four-year-old Cora. I'm sorry. Water bending. She um, earth bent that hole in the wall behind her, and I couldn't find a good shot of her fire bending, but she does in this scene as well. Um, she is a very headstrong, ramb- like rambunctious. Um, almost aggressive, like Avatar, com- especially compared to Ang, where Ang was like you know very much an air nomad, very peaceful, very like tries to deflect. Korra is kind of like like shoot first, ask questions later as an Avatar, and it um, creates some good some good conflicts and some good things. Um, so Korra. First trains in water bending with Katara, actually down in the South Pole, um, and then with with teachers from the other two nations who come to the South Pole to train her as well. She trains in Earth and Fire as well, and after she masters Fire, asks like, "Hey, I would like to go to Republic City to train with Tenzin instead of having him come here." And everyone tells her, like, no, you're not ready. He'll come here and train you. Like, you're not ready to go out yet. And she doesn't like that. But Tenzin's, like, on his way at this point. So she's like, cool, whatever. I'll wait for him to get here. Um, Tenzin shows up and is is like, hey, sorry to do this, but I've got um, something came up. 
and we learn Tenzin is a council member in um, Republic City. He's like, you know, they don't have a a mayor or whatever. They're led by a council. And he's one of those council members. He's like, I got to go back to Republic City and deal, do he's a council. Commissioner. D- do commissioner. He's a county, county commissioner. <laughs> he's a comp, comptroller. Um, <laughs> I got to go back and do do politics. I can't stay here and train you. I'm sorry. Like when things calm down, I'll try and come back later. Um, Cora doesn't like that. She sneaks out that night, hops on a boat and goes to Republic city with her polar bear dog, Naga. Um, Naga is her like spirit animal, like, um, Appa was to Aang, Mm -hmm. but not as fun as Appa. Appa was way cooler than Naga is. I'm sorry. Any Naga fans out there. I don't care. Appa Appa's yeah, the best. It, it would have been hard for them to thread that needle twice. Like Appa was something very special and Naga is also very cool, but obviously just different. They couldn't have done large, frumpy, flying animal twice perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Can't top of um, the Appa. Can't top of the can't Appa. Can't top of the Appa. That's what they say. That's what they say. There's a good picture of Naga for us. Um, you go to a restaurant Cora and you're like, sir, I'm here for tapas. And they're like, no, I'm sorry. We have Appa. <laughs> you can cut that out, Todd. That's fine. <laughs> no, I'm leaving it. I want people to hear what you said. <laughs> the people need to know. <laughs> um, Cora arrives in Republic City and is immediately overwhelmed by how big and busy and urban everything is. You know, she does the like typical first first five minutes in New York thing of like steps off a curb and almost gets hit by a car, yada, yada, yada. Um, she stumbles upon a protester trying to garner support for a group known as the Equalists. Um, Cora listens as long as her temper allows to this protester as he pontificates about the, the oppressed nature of non-benders in Republic City and their exclusion from any unity efforts and representation on the um, in the United Republic, and um, talks about how they're bullied and tossed and you know made made second class citizens to all the benders in this new country they've created. And as he starts to talk about how benders wield their powers unchecked and how dangerous that makes it for non-benders a car full of of benders blasts through the square um and you know they're benders because they're like shooting fire and water and earth off as they plow through and start um shaking down all of the local like businesses in the square um this is these are members of a an um a mob, a organized crime syndicate in the city known as the Triple Threat Triad, which is the largest criminal organization in the United Republic. Um, Cora intervenes, happy to have an excuse to, like, show off her bending and reveal herself as the Avatar, um, and apprehends them, and when the police arrive, they arrest the Triple Threat Triad and Cora for the disturbance. Um, it should be noted, all of the police officers in Republic City are metal benders. They, oh, wi- shit. I saw that. 
That yeah. seems like a power you shouldn't give to that particular group of people. <laughs> well, and they use cool like uh, zip line. Yeah, uh, they have like retractable, to get around. retractable chains that they metal bend to like be like Todd said, like grappling hooks or like to Spider Man swing through the city. Um, it's a uh, cuffs. They, they that, like, um, Attack on Titan. I was gonna characters. say, isn't that an Attack on Titan thing? It, kind of. Someone got it from someone. Sure. Um, in prison, Cora is introduced to police chief Lin Beifong, which you may recognize is the surname of Toph Beifong. Um, Lin is Toph's daughter, um, chief of the Republic City Police. Following in Toph's footsteps as Toph founded and was the first chief of the Republic City Police. This show made Toph a cop? I hate this show. I don't like this show anymore. <laughs> Toph's Matt, no cop. Matt, it's okay. Because Toph leaves the cop life behind um, after, she learn, after she learns what, what cops do. Lynn starts to scold Cora for her reckless behavior when Tenzin storms in um, and advocates on Cora's behalf. Uh, claims responsibility for her and is basically like, yeah, she's here for me. I'll, I'll take her under my wing. Um, I'll take responsibility for what she's done. And um, Lynn reluctantly agrees. And through this exchange, we learn that uh, Tenzin and Lynn may have had a history, a romantic history together at one point in their life. Um, so Tenzin takes Korra, agrees to train her, and takes her to Air Temple Island, um, which is an island in the harbor of Republic City where Aang built a new air temple. Um, to train his family. Um, I should also, I'll also note that um, the uh, right under, or right ab towering above Air Temple Island, I should say, is a like 100 foot Statue of Liberty-esque statue of Aang. Um, so like all of Korra's struggles, especially like in the first season, are like under the shadow of this massive statue of Aang and its imagery that keeps coming back, and it's great. Um, this is Toph, or this is Lin Beifong in the, okay. in the show notes. Um, Korra starts training with Tenzin and his family. Tenzin has um, a non-bending wife named Kaya and three kids named Jinora, um, Ikiki, and... Um, Ah, oh, what's the son's name? The son is... I'm gonna... Uh, but all three kids are benders. Um, the son is kind of your typical, like, kid show character insert. He mm -hmm. interjects a lot. He's supposed to be very cute. I find him very annoying, although a lot of fans seem to really like him. Um, for the first two seasons, his big thing is that he airbends by farting, and I hate it, but again, <laughs> I'm I'm in the minority on this, and um, that's that's all I have to say for now about Kyle, this to kid. your knowledge, before this kid fart bends, yeah. has there... <laughs> ever been someone who has fart bended prior to that in no. all of the available content. In fact, I think Never. later on in later on in the show in a later season they credit Milo is the kid's name. I found it. 
they credit mm-hmm. Milo with inventing fart bending. So there we go. That's some real Jar Jar wow. Binks shit right there. It's it's, it's a like, real it's a real Jar Jar Binks and and I again you can you can be mad at me if you really f- love Milo. I will not apologize. I I don't like this character. Um, he gets better as the show go- goes on, and he like ages up a little bit. But he's five at this point, and he acts like he acts like what Nickelodeon thinks a five year old acts like, and it's well, it's I'm, obnoxious. I'm trying to like make the comparison of like the first person that realized that they could fire bend by kicking and shooting fire through their feet, like. Like, oh, that's important. We're glad we figured this out. Or like the first person who's like, oh, I I froze the the sweat on my skin into small spikes so I couldn't get hurt. And they're like, oh, that's a really good one. You did that. We need to remember that. And someone's like, well, I farted and I, I used it is, the fart air. So the reason it comes up later is um, one of... One of the requirements to being an airbending master, to like achieving mastery in airbending, is creating a Are new technique. Are you gonna technique. tell me he flies with his fart? Oh okay. no, it's <laughs> but 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 like that's where it comes up. Is they're talking about like what techniques, right? Another master has had created, and and Milo chimes in like I made fart bending, and it's yeah, it's um. <laughs> <laughs> so Cora starts training and and immediately struggles with airbending. Um, she finds its like its reactive, patient nature very counter to like her personality and aggressive style. Um, she also struggles with the intangibility of air, where like fire and fire is very aggressive. She, so she takes to that, and then like water and earth are very tangible things. She knows how how to manipulate but air she she really struggles with um and after after some frustrating days of training Cora starts to listen to coverage of pro bending matches on the radio during her downtime and immediately falls in love with the sport just like matt um can i ask you a question kyle yes so this world that has gone through its industrial revolution and has cars mm-hmm. is still doing radio play by play. There's not like TV in this world yet. I don't know when you think TVs were invented, but it wasn't the twenties. We had cars long before we had TVs. So we did. Yes. But like you pitched this whole thing as like, you know, their big mechanical revolution. And I've seen a lot of the, I've seen a lot of the shit in Legend of Korra now that I've been Googling it for like 25 minutes and those cars aren't Model T's. You also said powered mechs. Yeah, you did say powered mechs. TV TV isn't that far off. So let me, let me, let me uh, amend my earlier statement. It is, yes, there is a uh, like technological revolution. It's still... Set, like it's steampunky it's not okay it's not fully mapped to like where our world is it's it's a little steampunky a little a little i guess magic punk is a good way because like um we'll find out later they power things by like they have power in the city because firebenders can make a living shooting electricity into like a generator and that's how yeah, they get sure. electricity 
So, sure. Um, so Korra immediately falls in love with Pro Bending and asks Tenzin if um, they could like go watch a match one one night. And he like very angrily refuses. He's like, not only is Pro Bending a mockery and reduction of like these ancient martial arts, but also like this aggressive sport would be very counter to what I'm trying to teach you right now, which is to like focus on stillness and, and inner tranquility and just like becoming more one with like the silence of, of everything. Um, just to put it out there as of right now, the story of Legend of Korra, very similar to the story of Brink. Just saying. Sure. Um, he has to skateboard in the shadow of his mentor. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Skateboard under a hundred foot tall Tony Hawk <laughs> statue. <Tony> Hawk? <laughs> <laughs> you think Tony Tony Hawk would be an Airbender? I mean, Tony you know, Hawk's probably. Yeah, I don't know. I want to believe he'd be an Earthbender, like, so he could like make. Oh, he was well, like, called him, like bird, like Birdman, and like King of Air Airman. And, well, his, yeah. Bird um, Birdhouse is the name of his yeah. like, skateboard company. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So Cora, Cora doesn't like that. She doesn't like being told no. Um, so she sneaks out the, after training that day and goes to Republic City's Pro Bending Arena. And meets lovable earthbending himbo Bolin, um, who tries <laughs> who tries to impress Korra by inviting her to watch their next match from the Fire Ferrets private box. The Fire Ferrets being the name of the pro bending team he is on. Do they lose that next match immediately? Because that seems like the the logical. Hey, pretty girl, come watch me lose this game. That seems like how that goes. Yeah. Hey, let me see a little mama. Let me whisper in your ear. I'm going to lose this match. Right. Of firebending right here. That's what they say. Hey, you got yeah. there. I'm impressed. I, it, it was tough. I got almost <laughs> got lost along the way. Um, so we, we get to watch our first pro bending match and it is rad. It is as rad as advertised. Um, so quick pro bending rundown. Pro bending is played on a hexagonal field split into two sides. Each side is then like further split into three subsections, um, one side for each team. Um, this field is on a raised platform over water, and the and each section of the field has um, you know little slots where earth discs rise out. So all three bending types that can participate in pro bending have access to their a source of their bending um from there they play a game of effectively capture the hill um they're or king of the hill they're trying to knock the you're trying to push the other team mm -hmm. back further back into their side if not knocking them off the platform entirely um the the mat the game ends after three minutes or if all three members of a team are knocked off the platform, um, you claim plat you claim sections of the platform by pushing all three team members out of it and like moving into it yourself. So like a winning winning 
by time would look like pushing at them back at least into like the back two sections of the platform and then holding it until the time runs out. Um, that, that's really cool, honestly. And like, I was very impressed by how easy it was to like pick up the game that they were playing, the rules, the idea of like the nine minute clip that you sent us, which is nine 60 second clips stapled together. Like, yeah. It's know, highlights from all the, all the pro bending matches we, we get to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool. Like we've talked a lot about silly fictional sports on this podcast and it's associated media. And so often when sports pop up in like shows or games that are, are made up in fictional, they're just so bananas and backwards that it's like, Oh, well this only exists in this crazy fictional world where there's not physics, but I liked that pro bending seemed like a sport that I could adapt as like a camp counselor and be like, all right, yeah. nerds, we're <laughs> pro bending today. Yeah. Get the, the dodgeballs. And the rules make sense. Um, not unlike another fictional sport Quidditch, where like when you think about Quidditch too hard, you're like, why would anyone make the rules this way? Um, mm -hmm. Someone definitely like thought about how this would play as a sport because they had to animate an entire season of a show where that focuses around the tension of winning and losing pro bending. So um, it's very cool. It's very fun to watch and it gives us some just good, good, like it's a good re way to have bending action scenes in every episode um, where it takes. So the match starts and we see Bolin and the team, the team's waterbender immediately get knocked off the field. Um, like bell rings Bolin is in the water but Mako Bolin's brother and fire ferret captain and fire firebender manages to gain a comeback and knock the all three members of the opposing team into the water winning them the match moving the fire ferrets on to the next round um this picture here is Mako with the scarf and Bolin without the scarf is Mako the one in the red and Bolin's the one with the green yep you got it. Yep. Um, make it they real are, easy for us. Yeah, they're brothers. Their dad was a firebender who married, or their dad was an earthbender who married a firebender. So yeah, they got one of each. Um, let's see. So Mako and the wa the the waterbender, he has a name. I didn't write it down. He never comes back again. He's the team waterbender. Uh, they get into a fight. And the waterbender quits the team and the fire ferrets find themselves down a teammate and a waterbender and their next match is in 15 minutes. A plot's, a, amount, a plot's of amount of time. Yeah. Amount of time. Um, so Cora, they're in their like locker room invited by Bolin chimes in and is like, Hey, I can waterbend. In fact, I'm the avatar. Could I be on your pro bending team? And uh, Mako turns off his asshole switch and apologizes for like being such a being so rude in front of the avatar and is like, hey, I don't know if you can I don't know if you can do pro bending or not, but we're going to forfeit the match without a waterbender. So find a uniform that fits and me and Bolin will like try and try and eke out this win here. Um, So. Cora, yeah, Cora's thrilled. She 
she gets to be in her first match and immediately learns like, hey, you can't just like decide to be a pro bender and then go compete in a professional level pro bending event and kind of gets starts getting her ass handed to her when she stops water bending and does like all three to try and like gain some ground and um, gets a foul called on the fire ferrets right as Tenzin like enters the arena to see all of this unfold. Um, there is a rules dispute. Um, they, the, they've never encountered having the avatar on your team. So they have to figure out <laughs> what, <laughs> what to do about that. Well, there's um, a penalty on the Pope. No one expected him to, to <laughs> <laughs> the kickoff to be a field goal. And we don't know what to do with that. Um, and they decide that like you can have the avatar on your team. She can only bend one element during throughout the course of a match. Um, the match continues, and as Tenzin continues to watch from like the crowd, he sees all of the things he's been trying to teach Korra to this point, like start to come into effect. Um, she's like, you know. Dot anticipating attacks and like dodging some discs that fly at her and she like it's a, a we get a like parallel from an earlier scene in the episode where like um one of the lessons that she particularly struggles with um in airbending is like this this room of spinning panels basically and like you an airbender bends to get them all spinning and then you have to like navigate through all these spinning panels without them hitting you. And she like gets whapped by these giant spinning wooden doors every time. Cause she can't like wrap her head around. Like I need to watch how they move and then move. Um, and then in this pro bending match, she like starts to move the way you're supposed to. And is like spinning around all the things. It's very airbendery and parallel scenes. It's very cool. Uh, Ten Tenzin notices this and allows her to stay on the fire ferrets as long as she blah, 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 keeps up with her training, doesn't let, you know, all the things that come with, like, you can do this if you keep up with your studies. Um, so we move ahead, we move forward. The fire ferrets can't afford entry to the next, um, big pro bending tournament in the city. Um, this is where we learn Mako works days at an energy plant, um, lightning bending, lightning into a generator for the city. Um, and that covers their like their needs, but they don't have any extra money to like pay entry fees for um, pro bending matches. So Bolin goes busking and begging for money. Um, and the triple threat triad uses his his neediness, his desperateness to recruit him for a job promising a big payday. Uh, the job goes poorly, and the triple threat triad gang and Bolin are captured by equalists. But not equalists like the doofy protester we saw earlier, but a vigilante force trained with, like, weapons that limit movement and chi-blocking uh, techniques that uh, make your arms go limp and block your block your bending um they have like electric gloves like taser gloves basically um too they're they're like 
a minor paramilitary force in this city. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so Bolin and all of the triple threat triad members get captured by the Equalists. Um, The next day, Mako enlists Korra to go help him find Bolin. He's like, hey, he didn't come home last night. It's my brother. I got to go find him. She's like, yeah, let's go. Um, I should note at this point, um, Mako and Korra kind of have like um, romantic tension forming at this point. They're some, they're some both, will they won't they's some will they yeah. won't they's. Um, and so in between some lingering glances and romantic moments, they track Bolin down to an equalist rally. Uh, they go in and we meet Amon, our villain for the season. Ooh. Oh, I saw some clips of Amon. Yeah. Um, Amon, so Amon is the leader of the Equalist Party in um, Republic City. He is a non-bender, and he always appears in this mask. Um, so Amon dives into a speech about the injustices non-benders face at the hands of benders, He's not making bad points. Like, he's not wrong about how the non-benders are treated in this new world. Um, But now, and so, like, he's going through this speech. He has the tied-up members of the triple threat triad on stage with him. Yes, that is different. What is that? (laughs) That's the bad guy from Big Hero 6. That's oh yeah, right. it sure is. Yeah, um, Amon looks. It, it, if you are less familiar with Legend of Korra than you are with Big Hero Six, <laughs> Amon looks exactly like the bad guy from Big Hero Six. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Amon then tells, like, while he's giving this speech, he tells the crowd, like, I I was chosen by the spirits to bring balance between benders and non-benders since Avatar Ang ignored us. And set up this like great society for benders. Um, the spirits chose me to bring balance for us non-benders, and taught me the the techniques of energy bending, the thing Ang did to Fire Lord Ozai at the end of the series to take away his bending. Um, mm-hmm. So he demonstrates this. He takes the leaders. Uh, he takes the leader of the triple threat triad, um, has him untied. And this uh, firebending leader um, attacks Amon, and Amon does like some some moves, gets him in, gets him in like an arm bar basically, and gets behind him. And we see this this uh, gang member, po- powerful firebender, shoot like electricity off, and then Amon energy bends him, and we watch the like electricity get weaker and transform into fire, and then we watch the fire get weaker and disappear entirely. And this guy can't bend anymore. So um, Korra and Mako see this. Korra flips out and exposes them, basically, like attacks Amon. He's like, you can't do that. And um, they free Bolin. They disrupt this rally and give all the equalists a new reason to hate benders and dislike the Avatar. Um, Korra has a nightmare that night where Amon like attacks in her sleep and takes her bending away. She wakes up in a cold sweat. Um, we, it will be a recurring theme throughout the series that 
Korra's identity is very tied to being the Avatar. Where, like, Aang was not super into being the Avatar until he, like, had to be. The minute Korra figured out she was the Avatar, she was like, hell yeah, I'm the Avatar. Like, you all suck, but compared to me, let's do this. So, like, that is an ongoing theme throughout the show. Um, we follow Tenzin to a Republic Council meeting, and we meet, we meet Tonrock, um, an ambitious political rival to Tenzin, and a the Water Nation representative on the council in the United Republic. Uh, the two agree to launch a task force into investigating the Equalists and stopping Amon from taking people's bending away. Um, later, while Korra is listening to the radio, Amon interrupts a broadcast and announces that the increased crackdown on Equalists will only cause him to speed up the Equalists' plan at bringing equality to them. Bringing very forceful and violent equality. Yes. We meet Asami Sato, a daughter of a wealthy businessman, heir to a fortune built making steel for the Fire Nation. That's where, like, her grandfather, like, earned money, and then her dad is now making a living a little more legitly in this new world, but... um. You know, but they're, they, they're still war profiteers. They come on blood from money. Yeah, they're war profiteers living uh, living with blood money. Um, here is Asami. Oh my God, it's a giant ass picture. Um, so Asami comes in and immediately is like a fourth point in this like love this love rhombus that is formed between Bolin and. Korra and Mako and Korra. Um, uh, Ma- Mako immediately gets like hard eyes for Asami. Um, after she hits him with her motorcycle. Um, Mako and Asami hit it off. They go on a date and they meet Asami's father, Hiroshi, um, the the wealthy businessman, who agrees to sponsor the fire ferrets. Um, give it, you know, he'll pay for new year, new gear get pay for their entry into tournaments. He's like, yeah, I'm like happy to help any friend of my daughter's. Um, Tonrock enlists Korra on his task force. And after a series of equalist arrests, uh, Korra gets, gets kind of big in her britches and challenges Amon during a press conference to a duel. She's like, grabs the mic and is like, Amon, if you're out there, I'm coming for you. And when we meet, me and you, one-on-one, no other equalists, you're going down. Um, Amani immediately like interrupts the broadcast of this um, press conference to accept, but he says, like, but not yet. He's like, we will fight, Korra, but but not yet. Uh, we get like a teen, the teen love triangle episode between Mako and Korra and Bolan and Asami. Um, and then Amon threatens the city, saying, like, cancel all your pro-bending events or suffer the Equalists' wrath. Which, the next event is the pro-bending finals, and the Fire Ferrets are one of the two finalists at this point. Well, we can't cancel the pro-bending finals. No. no. Um, so the council is leaning towards canceling, 
when Lynn kind of enters the council chambers and is like, we don't, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Mm -hmm. The finals are happening. Like I will, I will have my police force, like standing guard. The equalists will not do anything. We are having the finals. Um, the finals. This, I know this, uh, hang on. I know this probably <laughs> sounds like thinking about this, like, why don't you cancel the finals and take care of the terrorist? I just want to present a situation in which <laughs> a masked figure was rampant in the United States and was like, cancel the Super Bowl or I'll blow up the city. Not only cancel the Super Bowl, cancel the Super Bowl that the Pope plays in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cancel, cancel Super Bowl XXIV Pope Edition. Um, we wouldn't cancel and, that Super Bowl, Todd. I don't know where you're Pope, headed with Pope this or thought. No, Pope. no, I was just getting ready to say, Pope or no Pope, no one's canceling that Super Bowl that, that Rihanna now carrying her baby is performing at halftime in. And I yeah. just, it's, as you're describing this, I'm like, well, just cancel it. Then I'm like, no, wait, like, nah. This, no one, no, there's too much ad revenue already baked in. We can't cancel it. <laughs> um, yeah. So they go ahead with the finals. The finals happen. The fire ferrets lose to, uh, the wolf bats is the other team. Uh, this team has, has earned a reputation up to this point through the series of cheating to win. Um, so the wolf bats win and the equalists hidden throughout the crowd of the, the pro bending arena, um attack they start taking they were going to they told us they were going yeah, they to did. um they're hidden they're hidden throughout the cl- crowd we see them like pulling their electric their taser gloves out of various pockets and bags of popcorn and um immediately like <laughs> stealthily take down first like the cops and Tenzin and the council who are all there so that they can um make way for Amon's grand entrance who come like ropes down onto the field and takes away the like the wolf bats bending like in front of the whole crowd he's like watch this is what i will do to you like you didn't listen to me here and he like takes away the three benders bending he wrecks the arena it's a badass fight with lynn and cora like lynn is like spider-manning around the arena fighting off equalists cora is ben is quad bending fighting Amon, but Amon eventually is able to escape. Um, it's the next day or it's a plot's amount of time later. Um, and Cora is like wandering through, um, I have Sado Corp, which is wrong. It's future Corp is the name of, um, the, the Sado's company. Um, Cora is wandering through future Corp and over here is Hiroshi, planning an attack with an equalist what sounds like Amon and the equalists and runs and tells Lynn um Lynn Cora and the police all come to Future Corp to look for evidence of this attack and they get down into his lab where they find that he has like Future Corp has been making the the taser gloves and the like um they use like like bolo um like thrown bolo whips to tie people up to yeah. he's been making those and and supplying the equalists with their weapons and as the they find the warmonger has been making weapons no yeah. um and as they find this stuff hiroshi 
rolls out in a mech and attacks them because <laughs> he's also really? been building mechs. Um, this is where we learn that um, they have developed platinum, which in this universe is just the term for like super purified metal that doesn't have any like remaining earth in it that earthbenders can bend. So um, he attacks in this platinum mech and um, reveals like, yes, I have been funding the equalists. I agree with them. I, I am a rich and powerful man. I am made to feel weak by you benders. And that is my, that is my source of insecurity in this life. He doesn't he says it in so many words. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Right. Um, sure. And Asami, like Asami comes in and, um, after he, after he has subdued the police and Cora and Lynn, Asami comes in and, and he's like, Asami, like, help me. I'm like, we'll, we'll rule the equalists and like run this town. And Asami puts on a taser glove and like tases her dad so that the police can, can take him away. Um, Lynn in the aftermath of this, Lynn quits the police force and is like, the police can't take down Amon. I'm going, I'm going rogue and taking Amon down myself. I'm sick of this. Um, which is awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah. So Tarlock is basically given command of the police. Um, and the new team avatar, which is Bolin, Mako, Korra, and Asami, um, stop an, they, they stop an equalist attack, uh, after Tarlock has, has kind of cracked down on the city, um, and shows up and arrests not only the equalists, but arrests Asami, Mako, and Bolin as well citing a new curfew he has set in the city. He's like, this, it's, it's too dangerous. We're cracking down on everyone. And because you guys all got wrapped up in this as well, I'm arresting you to like send a message, like let the police handle this. Cora goes to confront Tarlock in his office, which is a really cool office that has like this big giant waterfall behind his desk and the two fight. And it's another super bitchin' fight because Tarlock's a waterbender and he's got this cool waterfall behind him. Cora's a water waterbender. It's just cool. Um, Cora thinks she's about to win when Tarlock pulls out some bloodbending. Um, oh shit! And bloodbends Cora and kidnaps her. Um, he imprisons her in a platinum box, and. Um, you know, after she figures out she can't do anything to get out, Korra meditates to contact past avatars and instead kind of gets this vision of Aang um, mid, mid-action mid sequence. Um, and we watch this flashback of Aang apprehending a crime lord um, named Yakone, who is also able to bloodbend, like, in this flashback without the full moon. Um, the vision continues, and we learn that Yakone is Amon's father. Um, mm. And so at this point, Tar like we, we come out of the vision, Tarlock is confronted by the other council members. He's like, they're like, hey, where are these kids? Where's Korra? Like, what are you doing with these crackdowns? And he bloodbends the whole council. And 
runs off back to his lair, to Korra, and is attacked by Amon in his office. Um, who we find, we learn, is resistant to Tarlok's bloodbending. Uh, Tarlok is an, unable to take down Amon because Amon can't be bloodbent, apparently. And Amon takes his away- dad was a bloodbender. I won't. I'm not reading ahead. That's Don't. just a question. E- e- okay. Yes. I'll shut up. Go ahead. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, Amon, um, you know, overpowers Tarlock and takes away his bending as well. Uh, Korra uses kind of that that fight to escape. I think at one point one of them like gets slammed into her crate, giving her an opening to work with, and she like gets out. Doesn't matter. Um, Korra escapes. Amon breaks all of the equalists out of jail and everyone starts collectively planning how they could take down Amon. Um, plots amount of time have, I think it's later that, that next day, that night Amon starts, um, taking out kidnapping the remaining council members at this point. The plan is like escalating the equalists, you know, are knocking on doors, pulling people out of home, pulling council members out of home, homes and kidnapping them. Um, Tenzin is able to drive them off when they come to the air temple because Tenzin is a badass. And um, when they, so when they come for him, the kids help out. Lynn shows up because like, remember they have a past. It's a whole thing. And um, Tenzin is like the last remaining council member that hasn't been taken by the equalists um Tenzin wi- Tenzin's wife has a baby she's been pregnant this whole like very pregnant this whole time so like she finally gives birth and with that Tenzin is like hey I gotta get my family out of here um Lynn is like yeah you do and she holds off the equalists long enough for Tenzin and his family to escape but she eventually gets overpowered and Amon removes her bending. Um, we meet General Iroh, who is Zuko's grandson, leader oh, cool. of yeah, leader of the United Republic military, military, and a cameo by Dante Brasco. Um, hey, that's cool. Yeah, it's a really fun, it's a really fun, uh, inclusion. Uh, General Iroh arrives with a navy and helps kind of, like, push the Equalists back out now with this, like, military force. Um, Korra and Mako visit Tarlok in jail, because he's in jail now. And we learn Tarlok's backstory. Tarlok and his brother Noatok are the two sons of Yukon, who taught them how to bloodbend without the full moon when he got out of prison after Aang put him in prison but he was pretty abusy about it as abusy as a y7 show on nickelodeon is allowed to be so so noah talk left he's like i'm not dealing with dad i'm not learning bloodbending i'm out of here um donned the alias and persona of amon and took his took the anger he had against his abusive dad out on every bender in republic city basically um, Amon captures Tenzin and his family somehow. It's, you know, we, we jump to 
Ten, Tenzin and all the airbenders at this point kidnapped, pulls them in front of a crowd of equalists, promising to eradicate the last of the airbenders when Korra and Maka show up to free them. Um, however, Amon escapes again. Um, Asami tries to get one of her father's mechs to help, but her father, who has been let out of prison by Amon, stops her also in a mech. So we get a little mech fight um, here as the, the season starts to wrap up. Uh, Bolin start, shows up and helps Asami take, take her dad down. Korra and Mako confront Amon, who manages to get the upper hand in that fight and takes away Korra's bending. Um, which Korra is devastated. Korra is able to, uh, or Mako is able to like get Korra and starts to run away. But Amon keeps catching up with them and blood bends Mako stopping their escape. Um, and is just about to wipe out Mako's bending when Korra for the first time in season one in 12 episodes fires off an airbending attack, knocking Amon out, of the window they're in and into the bay. Korra exposes Tarlock and Noatak for who they really are, um, turning, you know, ending the equalist to move equalist movement, getting Tarlock fully removed from council, um, and the two brothers escape and look as though they're about to go on the run to exact their revenge later. Um, but while Noah talk, while Amon is like monologuing about this, Tarlock just kind of quietly puts on one of those taser gloves and blows up the fucking boat there, <laughs> killing oh, them shit. both. Yeah. Oh no! He like, he like electric, like he like unscrews the gas cap on the boat, and like you watch him hover his hand with the glove on it and you see the electricity crackle and then the camera cuts away to the boat blowing up from a huge distance. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Um, legend of Korra goes as far as you can with a Y seven rating in all four seasons. And it's further than you think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we're, we, we have our, like, our victory, you know, gathering. Korra goes off alone. Um, glad they won, but, like, sad she lost her bending. When the spirit of Aang appears to her and is like, hey, good job. Here's your bending back. Also, here's how to energy bend so you can undo what... Um, Amon did to everyone and she gives everyone their bending back Korra and Mako make out everyone lives happily ever after or they would have if Nickelodeon didn't pick up Legend of Korra for another season (laughs) we open book two with Team Avatar headed to the South Pole for the annual Spirits Festival which is whatever holiday you want it to be it's the yearly holiday in the Avatar universe. Um, shortly after they arrive, so does Unalak, chief of the Northern Water Tribe, uncle to Korra, brother of her dad, um, 
and emitter of bad vibes. Just the minute he's on screen, you're like, that's our bad guy. Um, with him are his two twin children. They're everyone else's age. They're, you know, Cora and Mako and Bolin's age. Um, Eska and Desna. Eska um, is voiced by Aubrey Plaza. So we get a, oh, we get that's a recurring one. Aubrey Plaza character in this show. Um, their whole thing is that they're twins. They act exactly alike. They look exactly alike. And they act like your stereotypical Aubrey Plaza character. They're like morbid and weird and 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 creepy. Um, it's a good bit. It's a good bit that runs for the rest of the show. Um, but they don't do a whole lot. Um, Bolin gets a crush on Eska. Hilarity ensues. Um, Unalak, a professional wet blanket, walks <laughs> through the walks through this festival and. And basically tells everyone, hey, this festival is a disgrace to my culture, to the spirits, and and everything. Um, you are bringing, you, like, if you, dis, if you dishonor the spirits much longer, there will be, there will be some kind of, like, karmic payback. I warn you. Um, and he leaves. And everyone writes him off as a party pooper in a wet blanket, except a dark spirit attacks the festival later that night and he is the only one who is able to do anything against this spirit um you know no no bending really phases it it like you know slows it down for a minute but doesn't really do anything he shows up and he does some some move and the spirit like dissipates into into light and um everyone's like hey that's cool and weird um nobody notices that as odd. No, not at all. Um Unalak they tells Cora haven't seen the second Spider-Man movie. <laughs> right. Uh Unalak tells Cora that the natural the physical and spirit worlds are out of balance, and that if she would just accompany him to a closed portal located here in the South Pole, um, they could reopen this portal to the spirit world and help start to restore balance in the world. So they do that. Hey, never, never accompany anyone to. <laughs> never go with anyone to a second portal. location. Never, right. never go to, with anyone uh-huh. to a second location. <laughs> never, never go with anyone to a second location. First location's fine. Um, they do that, and all go that goes very well. There's no problem with the like portal opening mission. Um, however, the very next day, the Northern Water Tribe's military rolls into the South Pole. And occupies it, takes over, um, starting the the Water Tribe Civil War, as it is referred to in this in this show. Um, we cut away to see what Asami and Bolin are up to. Asami is running a Future Corp now with her dad in jail and all, and she brings Bolin with her to a meeting as a potential with a. Brings Bolin to a meeting with a potential investor as backup, as plot. You know, he's like, these two people need to be in the same room. And we meet one of the most entertaining characters in this entire series, Varric, who is this universe's Tony Stark. Um, He's... 
terrible and great and so much fun to watch. Um, he's a billionaire. He's a billionaire. They don't say that, but like that's the closest analog we've got. Um, he's a an inventor. He has shifty morals, and again, can't stress enough, is just so much fun to watch. Um, there's Varric in all his in all his glory. Um, what is that tie ascot thing this man is wearing? That's weird. Yes. Yeah. It's a it's a tie ascot. Um, he is like I said, he is a fast talking, eccentric bu- uh, inventor, businessman. Very very fun to watch. Uh, Varric likes the cut of Bolin's jib, and agrees to invest in Future Corp, and generally help Team Avatar. Great. Uh, Varric uses his yacht to help Korra escape the South Pole and return to Republic City where Korra petitions the president of the United Republic to help the South Pole, the Southern Water Tribe, get the Northern Water Tribe out. Um, But the president of the United Republic says, like, "Mm, that's Water Tribe problems, an entirely different sovereign nation. I can't super get involved in that. You're going to have to deal with it yourself. Um, Mako, now a cop, sides with the president and tells Cora that like yeah that like this is a political issue the two tribes need to figure things out for themselves um mako mako is more more cop than any other cop in this show at this point he gets he gets pretty copy for a while um cora returns to the south pole but is eaten by a giant spirit before she can arrive um, whoops hate it when whoops. that happens uh Varric, looking for ways to help without actually getting involved in the war uh, make starts making pro south pole propaganda starring bolin as the fictional water tribe hero um we run this like weird like old hollywood romp for the rest of the for the ha- the you know half the remaining season where like they roll in they roll into a new town they show the new movie and then like Bolin comes out and gets like applauded as this this um movie star and it's weird and fun Cap- he's captain america yeah it's he's captain america with a plan yeah yeah um mako and asami get back together almost the instant cora it leaves they're like they're like Cora. He's like Cora was mean to me, and you're you're pretty, and they get back together. Um, Mako, the cop, is investigating a series of bombings when um, he discovers that the remote trigger used in the detonations was invented and supplied by Varric, who surprise has been a bad guy this whole time. He um, huh. he plants evidence that Mako is in fact the supplier of this remote trigger and gets Mako arrested. Um, Hmm. I have it in the notes as Varric pulls some rich guy magic and gets Mako arrested, um, which is kind of true. He gets, gets false evidence planted on Mako, gets the cops on his payroll to arrest him. It's, it's a whole, it's a whole fun thing. Um, 
Bolin knows nothing of this at this point, by the way. Bolin is just like still Varric's guy at this point. Uh, Korra wakes up on an island in the spirit world and is shown the history of the very first Avatar, Wan, which will, this whole story will be relevant to the remaining remainder of this season. Way back when humans and spirits first cohabitated last time, humans would build their sentiments, settlements on the backs of lion turtles and who would grant them temporary bending to protect them from spirits. Much like, like we saw the lion turtle in the last airbender give Aang energy bending. They would do that and be, but the, the agreement was like, yeah, you're baby humans. You don't, I can't like trust this with you permanently. So like once this, you, you protect your homes, I'm taking your bending back. And it was a fine agreement. No one had a problem with that. Um, except Juan was looking for a better way to coexist with the spirits and becomes the first human to like talk to spirits, befriend them, and basically became an ambassador between the humans and spirits. Um, he's hanging out with some spirits one day when two, the two intertwined embody and spirits embodying light and darkness crash into the scene. Um, Rava and Vatu respectively, Rava, the light, the spirit of light and order and Vatu, the spirit of darkness and chaos. Uh, they rolled their eternal fight through the valley where Juan was chilling. Um, and Juan breaks the two, the two spirits up, but this is bad actually, because, um, what looked like a fight was actually like Rava keeping Vatu in check for all of eternity. This, they had this eternal fight, light and darkness, uh, yin and yang balancing each other out for eternity and Juan inter intercedes and, and disrupts the balance. Um, Rava starts shrinking. Um, now that Vatu is out and loose, her power is waning as more chaos grows in the world. Um, Vatu gets stronger and Rava gets weaker and, um, Rava, exposits all of this to Juan um telling him like hey uh, yeah you screwed up you meddling human like like you all you humans all do you messed with something you don't understand you messed things up and bad bad things are gonna happen now um Juan offers to help and Rava is like well what are you gonna do you're a human and Juan's like well I could go get some bending from a lion turtle and she's like that's not gonna do anything why don't you get all four bendings from the lion turtles that might help. Um, the lion turtles kind of agree. Um, but the agreement is that they're going to give Rava the ability to grant bending to Juan as he masters them. So like he gets one and when he masters it, Rava can give him the next one. Um, and if, if he learns, if he, is able to learn them and masters all four styles of bending before Sozin's Comet returns in, uh, I mean, before Harmonic Convergence, which is a totally different thing. Um, right. And Super isn't just Sozin's Comet again? Yeah. Um, Harmonic Convergence yeah. is an event that happens every 10,000 years where the spirit world and the natural world are, like, overlaid on each other. Aligned, whatever you want to call it. Spirit, the, the spirit, it's the closest the spirit world and the physical world come to each other 
Um, happens and every that's 10, like 000. 16 days from now in Cora's and it, world, and right? And you nailed it, Matt. It is it is <laughs> yep, a right. week. It's a week away. Um, there it is. Yep. Yeah. Um, but if if Juan is able to master all four elements before in in the year's time, um, he could help bind Rava back to Vatu, restoring the balance between order and chaos again. So they start doing that. Uh, they they start training in all the bendings. They almost get there. Um, just a few days before the harmonic convergence, Juan and Rava come across some humans who are like burning a forest away um, because they they know some spirits live in there and they're like, wait, we're just getting rid of these spirits before they become a problem. Rava gets pissed, lashes out against the humans, um, telling them like, hey, this is real dangerous and real close to harmonic convergence and like you're disrupting balance, you're giving more power to Vatu and like you, again, ignorant humans messing with things you don't understand. Um, she, she steps in. Um, some spirits show up at this, the, the forest spirits they're trying to drive away show up at this point and a fight breaks out between the humans and the spirits. Uh, which further weakens Rava. Rava is like shrinking and shrinking this whole time, and this fight breaks out, and she's like, like getting like dog-sized, cat-sized at this point. Um, and um, Juan tries to intervene, but he's not strong enough to stop these groups from fighting. Um, Rava is too weak to help as well, so she merges with Juan at this point giving him full control of all four types of bending. Um, they merge, they end the skirmish, uh, but this is like too much for Juan merging with the the embodiment of, of light and order. So he passes out and Rava has to separate from him to save the two of them. Um, and they, they escape. And with the two of them no longer holding off this fight, the humans and spirits resume their conflict and fully destroy the forest and each other. Um, Rava is now too small and weak to continue their journey to towards this portal for harmonic convergence. So Juan, Juan wakes up and carries her there. They enter the spirit world together and are greeted by Vatu, who challenges small weak rava for supremacy Juan steps in won't allow vatu to fight rava without going he's like to get through her you got to go through me um i've got i got all four bending net four bendings now i think i can i think i can take you um rava impressed by Juan's heroism at this point um and overcoming her anti-human prejudice bonds with Juan ag again and the two fight vatu to a stalemate as harmonic convergence begins Juan uses the energy given off by this event to um to fuse him and rava together permanently make making Juan now the first ever avatar like in total he's got the bending he's got the connection to the spirit world he is now the first ever avatar um the two, now working together as one being in, in the Avatar state, trap Vatu in the Tree of Time, blah, 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 that work to restore peace, <laughs> blah, 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 set up the Avatar cycle. You get it. Um, as this exposition wraps up, 
we learn that it is Unalak's intention to merge with Vatu at the Harmonic Convergence, much in the way Juan merged with Rava the first time. Um, he wants to kill Korra, kill Rava, end the legacy of the Avatar once and for all, and establish himself as a new anti-Avatar, I guess. Um, yeah, that's his whole plan. Um, we cut back to Tenzin and his family. They're on vacation. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah. Neat. By family, I mean the whole family. Um, Tenzin also has Tenzin's two siblings, Bumi and Kaya, are there. Um, Bumi is the oldest. He cannot bend anything. And Kaya is the middle child and is a waterbender. Tenzin is the youngest and the only airbender. Uh, Korra interrupts this vacay and asks for help stopping the spirit of chaos and disorder. Uh, Tenzin tries to help Korra meditate into the spirit world. Um, but it's here we learn that it's actually one of his daughters, Janora, um, is much more naturally gifted with spirit things than he is. And she's the one that helps her into the spirit world. Korra goes on another spirit world journey, and this time she meets real Uncle Iroh in the spirit world, who does the spirit, does the Uncle Iroh thing and passes on some wisdom and makes millennials cry and and um then leaves um the wisdom is something along the lines of like you've got you've got what you need in you to to beat this force um implying that you are still the avatar and therefore have reva uh reva rava rava like merged with you to who would be a great help in fighting vatu the the evil spirit um the whole thing yada yadas into the harmonic convergence happening. Unalak merges with Vatu to become the Nega Avatar, and there's a big the avatar. Nega Avatar. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and, yeah, um, and there's a there's an avatar off, which involves Unalak and Korra both becoming huge giant kaiju-sized embodiments of their merged spirits, and they have a Pacific Rim fight in the the harbor of uh republic city and it's great it's it's a bit the big fight for the season Korra is able to win um however in doing so rava finally dies she loses the last of her power and dies and Korra's connection to past avatars is severed entirely ending the avatar cycle once and for all Oh damn! That seems and like that's going to be deal. our flavor text here today. Thank you, everyone. Uh, once on Avatar. once and for all. Um, no, except there was a little bit of nugget. There was a little nugget of exposition in the Wan backstory that the reason Rava and Vatu are eternally tied in this struggle is because um, they are a second set of spirits in this lore based on the concept of yin and yang. Um, the first you might remember from book one of The Last Airbender were the moon and ocean spirits, ever in balance, pushing and pulling, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Ravu, this felt a lot like that. Yeah, yeah. Rava yeah. and Vatu are similar. Um, like their introduction, even like they, they roll in like in a ball shape. Um, mm -hmm. The symbolism is very apparent as Todd picked up on. Um, but they also have the added lore that Rava and Vatu each contain a small bit of like light and darkness the opposite in them respectively 
and any victory that one would have over the other is temporary uh, because one must always exist with the other and the other will always be born out of that small piece of the opposite that resides within the other balance you see um so Korra is able to bond with this new reborn Ra- Rava connecting her again to the lines of to the line of avatars but not um basically she's still able to avatar and able to like reincarnate after death as the avatar but she can't talk to any of the the old um avatars at anymore she cleared her browser history for lack of a better word uh (laughs) analogy um um as harmonic convergence ends Korra goes to close the spirit portal in the south pole uh but has a very avatarish thought of what if i don't um logicking out that separate but equal can't ever be i mean that logicking out that closed spirit portals tend led to this imbalance slash kaiju fight in the first place and that leaving them open might be rough at first but is probably better than like this happening again in ten thousand years and having no spirits on earth for ten thousand years um here she tries to consult ang or any of the past avatars of like hey what would you guys do um, and remember, she can't do that since the patch. So she asks Tenzin, who is like, "Hey, um, I'm you're I'm way out of my league here. You're the Avatar. Whatever you do can't be that wrong, right?" Um, so she decides to leave the portals open, and everyone lives happily ever after. It's like the Pope going to his brother's wife and being like, "Hey." How do you feel about the sacraments? And they're like, I don't know. You're the Pope. How do you feel about the sacraments? <laughs> Aren't you the Pope? <laughs> um, and that's season two. And we're going to take a quick break. And I'll come back and talk about seasons three and four. And also about how Nickelodeon maybe uh, ruined ruined the longevity of this show by being uh, a money-hungry corporation. All of that right after this break do you guys remember when i unpacked some religious trauma and i told you the story about how one year at church camp we sang that song that was like give me your heart make it real or else forget about it and it was like because we had to pretend it was coming from Mm -hmm. jesus like jesus wants you to give him his heart well, just like Rob Thomas and Carlos Santana made all of us smooth with Jesus, Manscaped will make you smooth using their wonderful <laughs> products. Wow. Incredible. I hope that we are the first <laughs> Manscaped-sponsored podcast to evoke Jesus in To ever in the put ad. the words one time at church camp in a Manscaped ad. I will add, Andrew, that we did not listen to covers of Smooth at my <laughs> church camp, but we did have a Smash Mouth cover band. Good. And what I will say is that after using Manscaped, I am a believer that it is, <laughs> it is a good tool for your family jewels. This is art. You had a cover band that played a, another band's cover? You know what else is kind of like a cover of a cover? The Lawnmower 4.0 is kind of like a cover of the Lawnmower 3.0, which you could kind of think of as a cover of the Lawnmower 2.0. Mm. <laughs> Wait, are all upgrades covers? 
I don't know that, Andrew, but I do know that this fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. With Manscaped, you'll be an all star. Was that anything? Was that something? <laughs> that was pretty good. I like that a lot, actually. <laughs> if you're covering Smash Mouth in 2000 x right you have to do i'm a believer like it's right it's the shrek song it's the song that they did for shrek much like shrek i used to live in a swamp but now due to manscapes crop preserver ball deodorant i am no longer living in a swamp (laughs) it has changed the way i approach my hygiene routine trust me when i say this your balls are gonna thank you hey is this the best ad anyone's <laughs> ever made for might anything? Might be. It's up there. Use code debate this at checkout. Twenty percent off and free delivery because we're really working here. This is good shit. <laughs> Once again, that is twenty percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code debate this all one word. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, we're back. Um, I'm gonna go through seasons three and four much more quickly than I went through seasons one and two. Um, I just didn't want to didn't want to leave anything out in those seasons because um, they're the hook and I wanted to get y'all hooked. Uh, but before I t- go through seasons three and four, I want to talk a little bit about the some of the behind the scenes stuff with Nickelodeon and um, Legend of Korra. So Avatar The Last Airbender was a surprise success for Nickelodeon. It was popular with kids and popular with a very hard demographic for Nickelodeon to lock down, like young teens and tweens. Um, And Avatar The Last Airbender also was like very well-timed to help keep an audience of now, at this point, younger millennials who were aging out of some of Nickelodeon's more traditional programming um, was able to keep them watching the network, buying merch, and generally not changing the channel. Um, this was good. Nickelodeon liked this. This is why Legend of Korra got picked up in the first place. Um, this is shown especially in the years between The Last Airbender and the start of Legend of Korra as like the the hype for the M. Night Shyamalan movie was building and that ultimately disappointed everyone. But um, people my age especially were just buying merch and re-watching Legend... Um, the last airbender and um buying hot topic shirts there's not one sitting at the bottom of my closet right now no sir um (laughs) and the graphic novels that came out during season one and two were popular enough that they are still making these graphic novels today um the whole series is popular enough that it's gonna be like a tentpole of paramount plus here once things start releasing this is a very popular series they, Nickel- they are releasing a a tabletop RPG system. Yes, for Avatar: The Last Airbender. However, Nickelodeon didn't know how to sell it or capitalize on it in a way they felt appropriate. Um, also, between the end of The Last Airbender and the premiere of Legend of Korra four years later, a small independent online DVD and Blu-ray rental company known as Netflix launched a streaming service where viewers could pay seven bucks a month and watch whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, wherever they wanted. 
Um, in fact, this was like Avatar The Last Airbender being on Netflix was a good sign to Nickelodeon that they should make more Avatar content because it was very popular on Netflix at the time. Um, cause it's a good show. Um, and early adopters of Netflix were right in that range of like still liked kids cartoons they grew up with, but wanted a more mature show, which all went into the creation of Legend of Korra. Um, Popular show, dedicated fan base, coming into an age where they have disposable income. It's aged the content up a bit. We make money. Viewers get more show. Everyone's happy. However, what Nickelodeon did not anticipate was that the same crowd was really into Netflix because it was $7 a month, very easy to use and cancel, um, and that to watch Nickelodeon, you had to buy a $100 cable TV package set up a permanent device in your your living situation and watch things on Nickelodeon's schedule, which, as someone who was trying desperately to watch Legend of Korra as it was airing, was very difficult. Um, so Korra became one of the became a, one of the most pi- highly pirated shows, especially for Nickelodeon while it was airing, because millennials gonna millennial. Um Nickelodeon noticed this and rather than like trying to meet viewers halfway to try to tried to drown this baby instead and pl- started playing the shifting schedule game networks do with shows that they're trying to off. Um, this all started during season three episodes started getting delayed. Um, Nickelodeon accidentally leaked four episodes to, to Mexico or through Nickelodeon Mexico, um, whoops, way ahead of schedule, um, and generally just kept making it harder and harder to watch, hoping to use the decreased viewership to justify not signing on a a fourth season. Um, however, um, they, Nickelodeon went so far as to even like the last four episodes of season three did not air on TV. They were only on Nick.com, which was like Nickelodeon's attempt at a streaming service at this time interesting yeah it was awful i hated it almost stopped watching the show entirely at this point season four aired entirely on nick.com it did not air on nickelodeon until after the fact it had to go through nicktoons channel like the premium nickelodeon channel first before it aired on nick it was it was real bad it was real bad and hard to watch um so that that is something we dealt with. Um this show f- this show feels much less connected season to season than The Last Airbender does because Nickelodeon only renewed it one season at a time for its entire run. Um pulling this with season 4 at 3 and 4 as well. It was real bad. Um these episodes these episodes have some really great stuff. The writers and animators clearly leaned into the idea of like, if we're going down, we're going down hard. Um, these episodes get much darker, much heavier, much edgier, but not in the shadow of the hedgehog way, but in a, like, I can't believe they got that by the censors way. Um, season three is, uh, we'll, t- we'll get into season three, so I won't spoil that. Season four is all about like, how fascism rises in a 
in a power vacuum and in like a real life like how fascism actually happens not in a jk rowling like the bad guys are bad because they're bad fascism um and again i can't overemphasize how hard they swing in these last two seasons it's really good stuff so let's get to it Season three kicks off by showing us a Republic city dealing with the after effects of Korra basically merging the physical and spirit worlds. Uh, first consequence we see is that there are all these kooky spirits everywhere and it's inconvenient at best and, and aggravating and dangerous at worst. Um, the second consequence is that everyone blames Korra, not just for the spirits, but for all the damage from her and Unalak's kaiju fight in the hybrid in the Harbor that happened at the end of last season. Um, and the third consequence and the one that's going to be an actual plot point is that there are more airbenders now, um, following the harmonic convergence. People who weren't previously benders can suddenly airbend. Um, the first one we learn about is Boomy Tenzin's brother was a non bender before harmonic convergence. Um, is sitting at the dinner table one day and sneezes and blows everyone at the table into the wall behind him because he, surprise, can airbend now. Sneezebender. Oh. Sneezebender. That, you're a bender. You're a, you're a airbending master. You invented sneezebending. Uh, we see sneezebending in The Last Airbender. It happens. It's um, best to just not think more about bodily actions and airbendings because it gets bad quickly it gets so. bad um so uh core we we get a nice little scene Cora and asami now are both like over their mutual like crushes or whatever with Ma- mako and we get to see them um just having some fun gals being gals wink um we get a little adventure of Tenzin, Boomy, and the kids going through Republic City, finding all the new airbenders, inviting them to study, come study at Air Temple Island. Uh, some join, but it turns out that your average Republic City citizen doesn't want to abandon their families and lives and live with a strict monastic lifestyle just to get better at this power they didn't have a week ago. It is um, kind of a wild thought, though, that they'd be like oh you can you can now airbend well hey what if you just drop everything it's it's a whole drop like literally literally that's tenzin's pitch to these people is like you get to come and like and like study real hard and meditate all the time and and they're everyone and most of them are just like no i don't most of them were like no watch me do this cool frisbee golf trick yeah like they're just not gonna be into it (laughs) Um, we also, we then cut to another new airbender who's named Zahir, who uses his new powers to break out of the Triskillian ass prison we meet him in. Um, oh, Z- I was like, we heard the name Zahir already. And then I realized it was the nickname bit. It's your nickname. Very beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zahir is Got voiced it. by Henry Rollins. Uh, Zahir is what? Our... Yeah, Holy shit, man! You gave me Rufio from Hook and Henry Rollins in this show. God damn! Yeah, um, Zahir is the big bad of this season, and Zahir rules. Zahir is Hell so yeah, cool. Um, where all the other new Airbenders are like, like accidentally Airbending, or like able to make little like, poof, 
like bits of air. Zaheer is like immediately an airbending master. And we never get a full explanation as to why. Um, However, we learn like Zaheer is very, he's very spiritual. He's very educated and philosophical and smart. And again, he just rules. Um, There's all kinds of theories as to how he's immediately amazing at airbending. It's not important. Just know like he's immediately awesome at airbending. Um, Zaheer, we learn was in this elaborate prison for leading an assassination attempt on Korra when she was a toddler. He and his crew... Oh. Yeah. Um, He and his crew, who he goes on to break out of their respective elaborate Magneto prison cells, are members of a secret society and offshoot of the White Lotus called the Red Lotus, Um, which you may remember the... White Lotus is like the secret society Uncle was a part, Uncle Iroh was a part of. Um, they're dedicated to aiding the, generally helping the Avatar and maintaining order. The Red Lotus, this offshoot, posits that the White Lotus and the Avatar have become a tool of the capitalized state and want no part in that, hence the split. Um, so once free, Zaheer gets to work freeing his crew who happen to be some of the most dangerous benders ever to assemble. These were, again, White Lotus members, like Uncle Iroh plus level bending, um, who quit and started their offshoot. He starts with Gazan, um, who is kept far out to sea in a wooden prison, for he's not only a master earthbender, but he's also the first magma bender we have seen since Roku tried to fight a volcano in The Last Airbender. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah. We're doing like a we're we're doing like a suicide squad thing. We're, it, we're just getting seems, all the worst ones. Yeah. It's a suicide squad, definitely. Um, so together, Gazan and Zaheer go break out Minghua next. Um, she's kept in a metal cell suspended over an active volcano because she is a waterbender. Um Volcanoes, great for keeping your waterbender from bending, very bad when you have a magma bender trying to break her out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Minghua is notable for not having arms and instead waterbends fake arms or tentacles or whatever instead. She has. That's like, really dope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, some of the most powerful benders ever assembled. Um, while these breakouts are going on, Team Avatar figured they've now spoken with all of the new airbenders in Republic City, need to go outside the city to recruit more, and where better to go than the largest city in this world, Ba Sing Se. Which where there the is Earth, no war. There is no war in the Ba no Sing Se. They do that. They take a train into Ba Sing Se. We learn this is where Mako and Bolin's parents were from before they moved to Republic City for a better, for a chance at a better life. Um, and as the train enters Ba Sing Se, we are met with we we are like hit with these images of just like poverty, overcrowding, crime, rundown buildings, um, etc. That is until they cross into what is known as the inner ring of the city which is opulent, wealthy, safe, and all-around bougie. Um, 
real real class divide in this city driving home mm-hmm. um bossing say is still super corrupted mate just making sure you know that right off the bat um because that was the kind of the bit in last airbender too right yeah was that, that is bossing say was like very segregated inner ring to outer ring yes segregated is the wrong word it's very classist segregated is segregated by class um and it's it's sure the implication here is that it is worse they have to show they have to show passports to move into the inner ring to show that they're like allowed to be there um Mm. it's a whole thing uh they meet the earth queen who is the daughter of the the earth king the weenie earth king from the last airbender um and she sucks uh she swung in the opposite direction of her father and is an absolute tyrant but also still like has no idea how to rule doesn't super know what's going on but is 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 evil about it instead of being like a lovable goofball about it she's just like evil about it um core explains what's going on with the airbender with the new airbenders and the queen agrees to let them search the city um if if they complete this fetch quest for her and go return some tax money that some bandits stole from her sure we cut back to zahir and his crew the the two other benders he has freed um starting their last prison break um the people involved with putting with stopping Zahir have caught on now that he's coming for the last member of his crew. And, um, we get like Lynn and fire Lord Zuko shows up on a dragon to help, help stop him. Um, but they are overpowered by Zahir, Gazan and Minghua almost immediately. And they break the firebender out of the group of the group out of their special, the special cell in the wilderness of the South pole. Um, her name is plea. She uses the same firebending technique as, um, combustion man. I don't know his actual name, but if you watch, I think his actual name is combustion. I man. think he is only really known do. as combustion man. Um, yeah. wait, remind it, me what combustion man did. Combustion man uses a special firebending technique where he okay. shoots a concentrated like bullet of fire out of his, his third eye, his forehead. This, and, this makes sense now. Yeah. Yes. And when it hits its target, it like explodes. So it's like very focused, concentrated firebending. Mm-hmm. Um, Pai does it better. She can curve the yeah, bullet. She does. Um, if, she she can do the wanted trick and curve that bullet um as this yeah. season goes on. Um she is also Zahir's like romantic partner. Um you you want them to like turn on each other eventually, but like they're actually pretty sweet together. They're a legitimate couple. Um so they pull off the jailbreak because it's um but because it's in the South Pole and because of like who's there. Lynn is able to like then go to Republic City and be like and tell Cora like hey this guy tried to assassinate you 13 years ago he's back he has his crew you are in danger you got to you got to stop your like airbending finding mission and Cora's like um no I'm not going to do that I'm not afraid of this guy <laughs> um 
back in Ba Sing Se, the team splits up, and Mako and Bo Lin go looking for clues about these bandits in the poor outer circle when they get robbed by one of these new airbenders named Kai. Um, he's a minor character. He's going to pop up from time to time. He's he's a, a reformed street urchin, basically. He's lived this long by committing petty crimes. Airbending helps him commit petty crimes better for a while. And then plot happens and he he joins the team um he also ends up as a love interest of one of ten of the oldest of tenzin's kids um jenora they they are like love interests Hmm. that all matters there's not a good better place to tell you all that but that all matters later (laughs) um so with no money no passports and like no way back to the palace um, Bolin and Mako have to like resort to their old street orphan ways and sleep on the street, steal food, etc. And they end up meeting first their cousin and then their uncle and then their whole entire extended bossing say family. Um, and they 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 go home with them. They're poor, but they're all happy to see them. There's this nice reunion. Um, Bolin and Mako like fill in their their who is their grandma they're they're meeting for the first time they tell him they they basically have to tell their grandma like no dad mom and dad died when we were young um but we're here now and then Mako gives their grandma back his his signature scarf which we've learned is was his dad's scarf it's a whole it's a whole thing it's nice um they also witness the Dai Li kidnap Kai off the street. And um, when they get back to Korra, they tell her, like, hey, the Dai Li is kidnapping airbenders. And Korra doesn't like that. Um, however, before they meet back up, while, while Bolin and Mako's story is going on, Korra and Asami are also hunting the bandits, find them, and manage to beat them, but have this moment of, like, are we the baddies? When the bandits, after being beaten, tell tell Korra, like, no, the queen is, like, overtaxing us. We stole this back to try and, like, we're going to give it away. We're going to redistribute it. Like, but, like, we need this money to live. Um, because, again, the queen is just taking everything from us. Um, Korra still takes the money back to the queen, but, you know, has has some words with her. Tosses the tosses the bag at her feet so it all spills out. Has some words f- for her and has since met up with Mako and Bo- Bolin. So she confronts the queen like, "Hey, where are you hiding all of the Airbenders that you're kid- taking off the street?" And the queen replies, "Now there are no Airbenders in Bossing Say." Oh, Great. look at that! Great. Yeah, yeah, it's good, good stuff. Lynn warns Korra again that, like, hey, Zaheer's coming. Let me take you back to Republic City where I can, like, have the whole police force protect you. And Korra is like, no, not leaving without the airbenders. Um, so Janora is able to, like, astral project because she's so connected to spirits. That's her new, uh, that's her new, that's her new airbending technique. She, by the way, she uses that for her mastery of airbending. And she astral projects to Kai because they're, you know, teens and in love. 
and finds the location of the airbenders. Um, everyone goes there. They bust the airbenders out in this cool scene. Um, we learn that the Dai Li has basically been has been attempting to train these airbenders to be the queen's airbending army. Um, they are conscript, you know, a conscripted army by the queen. They are teaching them airbending via like earthbending techniques. So it's this very awkward, like this doesn't quite work, but like you're doing motions and can airbend. So air comes out thing. Um, but they, they break them out. These, all these new airbenders like use the techniques they learned to fight off the Dai Li and that's all great. Um, but as they're escaping, Bolin points out to Korra, like, Hey, everything the queen did is legal because she's the queen. And this is just basically a draft and like, we're breaking the law right now. And Korra's like, okay, we'll leave the city. And they do, they take all these airbenders, they leave the city. Um, and Tenzin base is able to convince them all to come back to the air temple Island to train because their alternative is like going back home in Bossing Say, where they're poor and and broke and now criminals for abandoning their military conscript. Um, so Tenzin takes the airbenders back to Air Temple Island. Uh, Korra and Team Avatar continue on to find more airbenders. And they do that in a city... Lynn recommends as a very safe place for them to go be, which is this air, this earth bending city, Zalfu. Um, Zalfu is a city inhabited entirely by metal benders. It's very Wakandan, Wakanda esque, um, in a sense, um, in that in having only metal benders in your city that is made of metal for them to bend is fantastic tech in this this universe. Um, and so the city is nearly utopic. Um, it's self-sufficient. Uh, the citizens of Zalfu are encouraged to like develop other talents beyond metal bending because they've all had so much time to perfect metal bending. Now that's like, Hey, go do other stuff. Um, and everyone there seems to spend their time like sculpting and dancing and studying and generally doing the things you would do at like a liberal a liberal arts college it's like liberal arts college for metal benders it's great um zalfu is also very wakanda like in that it is it is incredibly closed off uh the entire city is built inside these giant metal sheets that they close up at at night like a giant lotus flower around the city and like nothing gets in nothing gets out um and it's it's very safe um zalfu is led and founded by Su Yin Beifong, Lin's half-sister, daughter of Toph to a different father. Um, And the two immediately start to fight. Like, like um, they haven't seen each other for 30 years, it comes out, and it turns out that reason is that they kind of hate each other. We don't know why yet, but they hate each other. Hmm. Meanwhile, Zaheer goes undercover and goes to Air Temple Island, and tells Tenzin that he's recently gained new airbending powers and wants to lear- get help controlling them. And he like demonstrates a little bit of airbending, and everyone's like, "Hey, yay! A new, a new airbender! Great!" Um, 
except he then immediately proceeds to like dominate at all of these basic like beginner air bending techniques that no one else is good at he like navigates the spinning panel thing really well he's learning picking up techniques really quick and generally just being really suspicious um Janora and Kaya eventually catch on and they, you know, call Zaheer out on it and he flees. Back in Zalfu, Kor and Bolin start learning metal bending from Su Yin. Uh, Korra picks it up pretty quickly because she's the avatar. Bolin sucks at it. He just like can't metal bend. Probably won't come up again. Uh, Lynn, <laughs> Lynn goes, goes to like metal bending acupuncture. So she like gets acupuncture done by a metal bender. It's a whole thing. Um, has, has some rev- revelations about her and Su Yin's childhood goes and apologizes. They make up. It's great. Um, and convinces Su Yin's daughter, Opal, who is a new, one of these new airbenders as well that like, Hey, you, you should go train with the other airbenders. Like I know it's, it's scary and you're in this safe town and like your whole family's here, but like you should go learn how to, how to airbend. I'll, I'll make sure like you're taken care of there. Cause it's right outside my home, my home city. And that's great. Um, back in Republic city, Zaheer and the red Lotus figure out that Cora is in South Fu and they go there. They sneak in. Uh, they get help from Su Yin's like right hand man. He's this. Um, he's very good at the the lie detector technique that um, Toph has. That like Earthbenders have. He's very good at it. He's the. He's kind of like the. He he in, he interviews all like new prospective entrants into Zalfu and determines like if they're telling the truth about why they're there. Um, but he's also the only one who's able to get away with lying because he knows how to manipulate the lie detector test that all Earthbenders have. Um, his name is Iwi. Um, he's gone after this paragraph, but I don't want to call him Suyin's right-hand man three more times. Um, so Iwi helps the Red Lotus sneak into Zalfu after dark. Um, they are unable to get their hands on Korra and escape again because everyone wakes up and 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 drives them off. Um Cora follows Iwi home or where wherever he flees to, I guess, and they they stake him out. They st- um he flees to like an an inn and they get another room in the inn and basically just watch him to see if he leaves, hoping to follow him back to Zaheer and like get the jump on him. Uh but they find out that Iwi and Zaheer meet in the spirit world through meditation um so Korra meditates into the spirit world goes to where Iwi and Zaheer are meeting and um confronts Zaheer who starts monologuing and tells her that the Red Lotus's plan is to remove all rulers from their positions of power and let chaos which is actual the actual order uh reign throughout the world um you know these these rulers are oppressing everybody everyone should be truly free so here's an anarchist he's a he's an anarchist anarchist um however this is all a distraction uh because here is able to 
trace where court you know he's able to figure out like hey they followed this guy he's in this hotel i bet they're in this hotel too and he sends um he sends gazan and minghua to go get her while she's helpless and in the spirit spirit world um mako and Belin are able to stave off this attack um they stay behind in the hotel to like keep keep gazan and minghua there and um it's here that bolin learns the reason he can't metal bend is because he's not a metal bender. He is also a magma bender. And he starts magma be- counter magma bending oh. to Kazan. Yeah. It's well, a cool thing. that's kind of dope. Yeah. yeah. Um, Asami is able to get Korra away from these two. Um, however, the, the Earth Queen's Dai Li captures Asami and Korra and takes them back to Ba Sing Se. Um, Zaheer, figuring out the queen has Korra, goes to Ba Sing Se and brokers a trade with her. And he basically says, like, I will get all of your, I have all of your airbenders that they took from you. I will give them back to you if you give me the avatar. I know you have her in your custody. She agrees, uh, but the problem is that she doesn't quite have Korra yet. Um, Korra and Asami are, are, you know, kept in a cell on an airship that's flying back to the Earth Kingdom they're able to break out of that cell and they crash the earth ship and don't come back to the earth kingdom. Um, so when Zaheer learns this, he does, he pulls up fine. I'll do it myself. And he kills the earth queen by sucking the air out of her lungs with air bending until she suffocates in one of the most brutal scenes I have ever seen get by a Y seven rating. Um, damn. Yeah. That's gnarly, dude. It's nuts. It cuts away like at the last second, but like until then, you see her like eyes bulging and go bloodshot, mm-hmm. and her face turn blue. And it's real. It's a lot to slip through what? a kid show. <laughs> it's like when that kid on the magic school bus took his helmet off. And took his face. helmet off. Yeah. It's yeah. like my life and gave me my worst fear forever. It's and, like and when I, Arnold gave sat me there your and worst said, "How is forever. that kid dead?" Because it's yeah, magic school exactly. bus. Um, but no, they had time to get him back to Earth. It's fine. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. fine. Um, he's had he a bad pl- cold. He's got, he's got <laughs> he the has sniffles. Plot armor. <laughs> um, it's that's actually where that's actually uh, patient zero for COVID nineteen is is the kid from Magic <laughs> School Bus. Arnold, <laughs> Arnold from who caught it on Pluto? Who caught it on Pluto? I, I just. I just remember, I'm so glad you brought this crucial childhood memory up, Matt. <laughs> of course. I remember watching that being like single digits age old and even being like, well, that's horse shit. <laughs> like, you just, no. No, you just die out there. No, he's dead now. Um, Man, to this day, I'm terrified that one day I will end up in space. Mm-hmm. And one day I will be in space and take my helmet off and I will turn into an ice cube like that kid from Magic School Bus. Anyway. Kyle, if you want to keep talking about Legend of Korra, I guess that's yeah. okay. Yeah, I will. Um, so Zaheer kills the queen and then announces to, like, he gets on the, the, the loudspeaker system that exists and announces to the citizens of Ba Sing Se, I have killed your queen. You are all free. You are all free now. You are your own masters. Do what you want. And he lowers all of the walls, separating all of the, like, rings and palace of of the of the city and immediately the outer ring riots and like 
storms the inner ring, starts looting, storms the palace, starts looting, taking everything they can get their hands on. Because, of course, they can. They've been oppressed by their queen for forever and ever. It's terrible. Um, Zaheer, in this moment, in it, like in this moment of victory, um, frees Bolin and Mako. He's like, I, you guys are free to go under the condition that you deliver a message to the Avatar. Tell her I am done hunting you. Come to me, or I exterminate every remaining airbender. Um, Mako and Bolingo save their their bossing say family from the riot, um, and they go deliver the message to Korra, who goes into the spirit world again, hoping to find Aang, since she can't like contact him through Avatar magic anymore. Um, she's she's looking for help. She doesn't know what to do. Um, instead she finds, once again, Uncle Iroh, who gives her some advice and tells her, like, yeah, I think, I think Aang is, like, gone, gone. Like, you, that's, can't, can't call him anymore. But. We don't have that voice actor on payroll anymore. Sorry. (laughs) But my nephew Zuko was his, like, best friend after he stopped trying to kill him and learned a lot from Aang while they were, like making a whole country together he's still on earth go talk to him he might have some some ang-esque wisdom to pass on to you so she does that and we get this nice scene of her talking to fire lord zuko and asks her she asks him what ang would do and he gives her this um in this situation of like do i turn myself in or do i give up the avatars or the airbenders i mean and Zuko does a wisdom and basically tells her, like, I, I can't tell you what to do. Um, I know, like, these new airbenders would be one of the m- most important things to Aang. Like, if Aang knew there were all these new airbenders, he would do almost anything to ensure they could thrive. However, Aang also understood he's the Avatar and, like, has a special special role in this world and like can't always get what he wants like what he wants to happen and what needs to happen aren't always the same thing and that's that's the best advice i can give you um cora goes to turn herself in to zaheer figuring the world needs this new batch of airbenders but an avatar is replaceable an avatar will reincarnate the next avatar can can come back and restore balance these airbenders gotta gotta stay. Um, the Red Lotus does a double cross and tries to kill all of the airbenders and Team Avatar, uh, but they're able to hold them off. Bolin's magma bending comes in comes in hand is is the the clincher here again. Core uh, and Tonrock face. Uh, Tonrock is have I clarified that Tonrock's core is dad. Core and her dad. Um, Face off against the Did we know that the whole time? Wait, hold the fucking phone, Kyle. (laughs) Tonrock, we're confusing. We have Tonrock and Torok. Torok was the bad guy. Yes, okay. Tonrock is her father. Tonrock, her father was also one of the people who stopped Zaheer the first time he tried to kill her. Sure. Um, okay. Sorry. I should have clarified that early. I should have cleared that up earlier. No, that's on them. That's on them for their naming conventions. It's I a little bit on them. Yes. Um, 
so they're they're all fighting. Um, Korra, Korra and Tanrak and Zaheer. Uh, Pali is up in an airship and like just shooting off like fire explosions down, providing like cover fire so no one can really like come out to help. Um, and things look bad. Zaheer knocks Tanrak off a cliff. Korra thinks killing him, but he's actually saved by Kai and Janora on um, an air bison. So he's fine. And Zaheer uses, like, she freaks out and Zaheer uses her rage to, like, overpower her and subdue her. Uh, Su Yin and Lin, the two Beifongs, uh, take down Pai Li. It's awesome. Um, they metal bend a sheet of metal up to her and around her head right as she's about to fire off one of those explosions. And we cut away right before her head, her head explodes. And oh, whoa, man. Yeah. Damn, dude. Yeah. Remember when I said this series gets, gets dark and brutal? So Pali is down. She is dead. She's dead. Down for the count. Um, and Zaheer uses her death to unlock a new power. And I'm going to need you two to watch the YouTube clip I put here in the notes. It is my, fa what, my favorite moment of Legend of Korra. Um, the build up to this is Zaheer clearly has been, he has been studying the teachings of an ancient airbender. Um, almost like this whole run, like he's been quoting this airbender. And this is one of the lines he has quoted up to this point and the technique he learns. That's really sick. That's so cool. And so dramatic with the fall off the cliff and everything. That's tight. Right? What, what, what does he do guys? So for our listeners, what's he, what's he doing? He, he flies. Yeah. He can fly. He just, he just flies. No air, no glider he just like he ju he jumps off a cliff and we look down and he's standing there like goku like hovering above the clouds and he does it so effortlessly yeah yeah, yeah. it's awesome um so zaheer has cora does that jumps off flies away with her um and cora comes to chained up in a cave um Zaheer injects her with what is basically mercury. They have some Avatar universe name for the poison, but it's it's mercury. Um, and starts monologuing. Um, he tells her his plan is to wait for this poison to take effect, and as it starts killing her, it will force her body into the Avatar state. And as soon as it does, he is going to kill her, ending the avatar line once and for all blah 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 um and once she's out of the way he will go on to kill the remaining heads of state around the world blah 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 um letting letting chaos reign etc etc um however what happens instead is that once Korra does in fact succumb to the poison enough that she is forced into the avatar state um the combined strength of the avatar state and her sheer rage at Zaheer for what she thinks is killing her dad 
um, gives her the strength to break free of the the chains she's in, and before Zaheer can you know kill her, and we get a good good showdown between Rage Monster Korra and Zaheer. Um, it's nice, very very cool. It's v- it's like a flipped version of the um, Avatar versus Ozai fight at the end of um, the Last Airbender, but it's flipped. Because Zaheer is the airbender in this, and Korra is, like, rage firing around like hmm. Ozai was. Um, it's very, very good. Uh, she she beats Zaheer, sedu- subdues, um, you know, takes him down, and Team Avatar and the new airbenders are able to, you know, restrain him. They use that airbend- that earthbending thing where you, like, sink someone into the ground, and um, he's he's done he's restrained um and they send him off to a bigger and more elaborate prison um where he will rot in jail um time jumps we cut we cut ahead two weeks um we see Korra is in a wheelchair and she barely like she barely survived this attack she is wrecked by this attack she looks like death um like like looks like her eyes are like sunken in. She's real frail. She can't walk. She's in a wheel like she can't move her legs. She's in a wheelchair. Um, but she did survive. And that is the end of book three. Um probably the the arguably my favorite, the uh, book of Legend of Korra. It's very, very good. If you you should Wait, watch that Legend was the of end Korra. of book three or the end of book four, sorry. The end of book three. We still have oh, book four. So, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Book four kicks off with uh, another time jump. Uh, this time, we jump ahead three years um, after the events of the Zaheer storyline. Um, we catch up with everyone. Um, Asami is doing what every rich person claims they will do and is actually improving Republic City. Um shown here by opening a new public train for the city to use. Um, Mako is serving as a personal bodyguard to Prince Wu, um, heir to the Earth Kingdom throne. Uh, Prince Wu is a a fancy, fancy boy who loves spending money and not much else about being king. Um, He's very immature, very, very ill-suited to be king. But he's going to be king if things don't happen. Um, Bolin and the airbenders are helping a metalbender uh, named Kuvara. Uh, Kuvara is a former student of Su Yin. She lived in um, Zhao Fu. Um, Kuvara is going around the Earth Kingdom and basically bringing peace and order back to these cities after the aftermath of the queen's assassination, which sounds great, except Kuvara is getting very fashy. Um, Ooh, yeah. So Kuvara, it's what starts out as like Kuvara, like, you know, rolling up on towns that are overtaken by like bandits or whatever. Um, They drive out the bandits. They give the towns like, some supplies to like help start rebuild and they move on to the next one. But what starts happening is that as t- 
town, as this continues, Kuvara starts giving these towns ultimatums. It's like, okay, we've driven out the bandits, but we're going to leave, not leave any protection and not give you any supplies unless you swear fealty to me. Um, and this gets worse when we find out that Kuvara has a a band of bandits on employ that go ahead of her and attack these towns ahead of time. And um, when when the towns don't agree to give her full control of of their city, she sends the bandits back and goes and and makes them call her this time. Be like, hey, they're attacking again. He's like, swear, bend the knee and then I'll come back. So mm. she is she is both helping and has turned this into a if a fascist movement in the earth kingdom um which is something um and cora through all of this is nowhere to be found because she is off processing her ptsd in a way we're all familiar with by wandering the world and joining underground cage matches just to feel something um i mean whom's among us whom's among us right um yeah, we we like we all of episode one is like catching up with everybody and and finding out like Kuvara's is not all that she seems to be, and then the very last scene is like um, Cora, she like cuts her long hair to signify I'm a new person now, and then goes and joins a a earth bending cage match and gets gets rocked like she's not doing well um the next episode we learn cora hasn't been able to walk until about six months prior to where we catch up with the time skip um she spends those two and a half years doing physical therapy with katara in the south pole and as soon as she is able to walk leaves to go to republic city uh but once she like the boat pulls up she gets there and she gets a ptsd and leaves she's like i can't do this yet i'm gonna go and she she tells herself i'm gonna go reconnect with rava um she ends up in foggy swamp remember the swamp from the last airbender yeah where all the the spirit where where ang like gets the vision of toff and all the spirit stuff happens she ends up there and she meets toff in all of her elderly woman glory and Wait, is Toph still alive at this point as well? Yeah. So everybody me... from the Ang gang is alive except Ang and Sokka. Yeah, no oh. Sokka. Oh damn. Yeah. Bummer. There are theories Sokka that Sokka his, died. His meteor sword. There are theories Sokka died in um, taking down. Um, oh, Zaheer the first time. That the- that's the mm. theory. There's nothing confirming that. Um, we meet Toph in all her el- el- elderly woman glory. Toph greets Korra with a uh, "Hey, Twinkle Toes," and the audience cries because it's a it's a good moment. Sweet. There's old woman Toph. Um, Love it. Korra stays with Toph for a while in the swamp. Um, and we learn Toph has, you know, she. 
She did the whole thing of like founding the police in Republic City. Um, we learned in the like Lin Se- Su Yi Su Yin story arc that like they uh, she quit the police force after um, Su Su Yin was a was a problem child and ended up doing some crimes and uh, Toph some petty crimes. She didn't do anything major. Um, Toph bailed her out one too many times. And that may, is what caused the rift between Lynn and the rest of the family. And after that, Toph was like, well, what am I doing? I'm not helping people. And she quit the police force and has been kind of wandering the planet since then. Um, Cora kind of tries to catch her up and be like, hey, you could help us with with stuff going on. Toph gives her the like, no, I did. I did my world saving. Like, look at me. I'm I'm done. Um, but you can stay here if you want. I'll try and like figure out what's going on. So they do. She stays there, and Toph gives Cora um, something that she's needed. Cora's needed since uh, this fight with Zaheer that's left her like permanently scarred, and that is like some tough love. Uh, we we learn that the thing that has been frustrating Cora in the past three years is that everyone has been like been like no no you we got it you take it easy like you you recover from this we'll cover it and that has removed all purpose from court like she has nothing to do if she's not say being the avatar and Toph doesn't do any of that she's like you aren't getting better because you don't want to get better because you're scared and hell yeah um, yeah and she's like you need to stop being scared and start being the avatar again and they have a whole they have a whole thing it's it's great um tough tough figures out slash reveals that like all of the all of the mercury that zaheer put into you didn't get taken out by my daughters like they thought um they're fine metal benders but like i'm the metal bender and i can see still got some mercury in your blood um and Toph goes to remove it and that like awakens some some deep some PTSD in Korra so they can't do it until she heals more and it becomes a whole thing where Cor where Korra is the one that pulls the remaining mercury out of her own body because she's she's better she's healed she wants to go um so we cut back to Mako and the prince and um it's coronation day it's preparation for coronation the prince is going to become king um we kind of learn that the reason everyone is pushing this through is that the president like all the other nations just need someone to be king and they'll kind of tell him what to do they're going to rule the earth kingdom through him basically like he doesn't want to do it just make him king and we'll do it for him um, however, right before the coronation starts, Kuvara rolls in with her army and is like, no, don't make this guy king. Look at our last queen. Look at the king before them. Look at blah, blah, blah. Like, look at this. We need someone who knows what's going on to rule this company, to rule this nation. I hereby declare the Earth Kingdom dead and name myself 
the em- the ruler of what is now the Earth Empire. And the crowd cheers. Um, um, Mako and the prince barely make it out. And Kuvara is ruling the Earth Kingdom now. Um, Korra, Korra rolls back into town, gets caught up to speed. She she shows up during the coronation, kind of gets caught up and helps helps the escape. Um and the Korra, Mako, Asami and um the prince kind of reconvene and try and come up with a plan when the prince gets kidnapped again or not again, but the prince gets kidnapped and is taken back to Kuvara. Um Kuvara at this point is rolling her army up on Fu, the last kind of the last city in the Earth Kingdom she hasn't claimed yet, because Su Yin is not gonna bend the knee to um, this tyrant at this point. And Korra Korra shows up, kind of does a like, "Hey, I'm the Avatar. Get out of here, or I'm gonna do some Avatar stuff." And in- initiates a fight, and Kuvara like whips her ass. Just, just has no trouble beating her. Cause, you know, six months ago, Cora couldn't walk, and now she's trying right. to to bend. Like, it's bad. Um, Kuvara tells Cora, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do anything. Like, I know what you were doing. I appreciate, like, sure. I will spare you if you go in to Zhao Fu and tell Su Yin my message, which is surrender, bend, you know, swear fealty to me, or I will, I will destroy this city you built yourself tomorrow. Tomorrow at dawn, I will, I will destroy your city if you do not try and if you do not swear fealty to me. Um, we learn that Varric is working for Kuvara. He is using, I have, I got, this is going to come out of left field, but there was build up to it that didn't fit anywhere in the story before then. He is using spirit material to make this universe's version of atomic power, basically. So like the, it's the (laughs) spirit goo from FNAF. It's like the Five Nights at Freddy's spirit goo. Sure. I don't remember enough of that no, flavor text. Don't, to... don't do that. That's it's no. It's the spirit goo from taboo from the taboo from goo. The taboo. The goo. taboo goo. A different kind of goo. Yeah. What? Yeah. So it it's and it, it is very much. He's doing a Manhattan project, but mm-hmm. with spirit energy. Um, there's a whole scene where like he's. You know, he's trying to tap into the ener- tap into the, it's a it's a vine from the spirit world, and they like it's like let's see how much energy we can get out of this, and they're measuring it, and then it like spikes off their charts and blows up the the room they're in, and he has this like this like turn of heart. He's like, I've never doubted anything I've done before in my life, but this seems bad. This seems bad. I feel like I shouldn't give this technology to this woman and he tells kuvara that and has him thrown in prison um bolin at this point has been kuvara's kind of right hand man 
he has a similar change of heart. He's like, hey, everything you're doing seems really fashy. You should probably stop it. And she has him thrown in prison as well. Okay, so it is the, the night before Kuvara's op, um, ultimatum take, comes, comes into play. And Su Yin sneaks out of Zaofu to go try and assassinate Kuvara in the night. She's like, I'm pretty sure this whole army is like only behind her because of like the the underhanded like blackmailing she's been doing to them. And I'm pretty sure that if I take her out, they'll, they'll all just kind of like disperse and or follow the next person that steps in. Um, so she, they go out trying to assassinate Kavara. Kavara absolutely expects this, springs a trap on them, captures all of, captures everybody. Um, Cora and Kuvara fight again. Um, and Kuvara starts gaining the upper hand and Cora goes into the avatar state and is able to start fighting back, but then gets another PTSD and like, can't. Um, some of the airbenders intervene. They save Katara, get her out of there, but they have to, they have to leave Zhao Fu to, and, and basically turn it over to, uh, Kuvara. Um, Varric and Bolin are now like prisoners and Varric is forced to keep working on this Manhattan project thing. Um, but Varric is like, see, like, been tur- he's doing a he's doing a mad scientist thing he's like building it so that they won't be able to use it but he's going to be able to use it um he she wants him to make it an energy source to power an army of mechs she has built from um Hiroshi who she broke out um and he's like I'm not going to make it a power source I'm going to make it a bomb and try and kill her with it um, Cora, Cora goes back to Republic City, um, catches up with Tenzin, ke- brings him up to speed on like, hey, Kuvara is doing a, doing a dictatorship. I think we just handed over Zhao Fu to her. Uh, we gotta, we gotta go do something. And they, they go back, yada, yada, some stories, some story happens. Um, the, the, the team avatar is able to get the upper hand on Kuvara. Kuvara has to kind of take what little army she can get away with and regroup. Um, she loses some territory, but she still has like more army and more tech than the others. Um, someone, someone is able to finish um, Varric's research and make a, like he doesn't get to do the bomb plan they are able to finish his research and make the energy source. And Kuvara uses it not to power an army of mechs, but instead a giant bigger than the other mechs mech um, and uses that to stand down uh, the the armies. Um, it's called the Colossus. It's big. It's, it's, a, it's a big mech. Um, but Varric shows back up. He's like, hey, I still got some of this spirit energy. I made a bomb out of it. I think we can blow up this mech. Like, I think we can, I think we can do it. Is it, would um, you call it a, a spirit bomb, Kyle? I, 
I guess I have to now. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have to now. Um, so they go in, they like bust it. They do a, a tower of Colossus basically and, and break into the Colossus, break into the giant mech, go plant the bomb and, and blow it up. And let me see. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So they blow up the mech with the spirit bomb TM Todd and the explosion sends the cockpit of the mech into the spirit world because it's a, a spirit energy bomb. Um, in the spirit world, Korra and Kuvara fight some more. Um, Kuvara escapes. Korra chases after her. And um, Kuvara, Kuvara manages to get like the 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 arm cannon of this mech and has it like leveled at Korra and is basically like I will I will pull this trigger and it will probably kill us both but like we are going down Kuvara fires the cannon but it's like big and a big atomic cannon so she like loses control of it like whips around like water whips around and she loses control of it and it's like firing and and flailing and is about to blast Kuvara, but Korra does the hero thing and dives in front of the blast, saving Kuvara's life. Um, it warps them elsewhere in the spirit world. It's another, another teleport thing. Um, they have a, they have a heart to heart at this point. Kuvara's like, Hey, um, I guess you saved my life. I guess I was being kind of a dictator okay um they exit the spirit world kuvara turns herself in tells her army to stand down everyone hugs everyone wins yeah everyone celebrates we move ahead a, a plot some amount of time later um and we we see celebrations we see uh prince Wu announcing to a crowd he's like hey i'm not going to be a monarch anymore there's no monarchy in the earth kingdom we're going to be a democracy like republic city um let's see um and as celebrations wind down um cora and asami have a heart to heart and get to talk about like or apologizes for being away for so long um Asami, Asami is like, hey, I'm just glad you're alive. Like, I'm glad my friend's back. And Asam and they they decide, like, let's let's go away. Let's leave all this. And they they take a break, take a vacation into the spirit into the spirit world. Um, and they walk, they hold hands and walk into the spirit world. Roll credits. End of Legend of Korra. Dope. What can you explain what the spirit world is and is not? It's not heaven. Okay. It's it's Is it where all the force ghosts live? Is that what it is? No, cuz that's also it's that's got something to do with midichlorians, I think. Yeah, it's got something to do with midichlorians. The, yeah. It's 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 a metaphys it's a it's just another it's a metaphysical world that like 
is in alignment and is the cause of all the Fair. weird magic-y things in this world. That's the best I can do. It's it's real spirit. It's real spiritual and intentionally sure. Um, the reason I had to get all the way to the end is that the creators of the after the show aired, some time passed. Creators got to you know, and the NDAs ran out or they were at a con and got to talk about it or something. And the creators of the show got to confirm that their intention the whole time, or at least from season three on, was that their plan was Korra and Asami were supposed to end up together in a relationship. Mm, yeah. And Nickelodeon said, no, no, not in, not in our kids show here in 2014. Um, right. And that was the best, that was the best they could do at the time, like to get through Nickelodeon to be like, like, so they confirmed a whole bunch of like internet theories. Um, there were a lot of fans that were excited by this announcement. There were a lot of fans that were upset by this announcement because of course there were, um, a lot of people claimed like, well, if that was your intent, why are you, why are you pulling a, a JK Rowling and just like telling us about it after the fact? And they were like, well, we're not like, if you watch the show again, you can see we tried. And I can tell you as someone who will, like I watched this when it more or less when it aired and I watched it for this, it's definitely in there. Um, if you're watching it with that, with, that knowledge and or not a male male perspective in 2014 it's clear as day they really wanted these two to end up together i just wanted to take that moment to talk about like how much this show was able to get away with violently through a y7 rating yeah and the one thing they couldn't get through their y7 rating was a same-sex relationship go nickelodeon I'm not surprised, mm. but also like, stop being babies. Let them, right. Let them, let them give a little smooch. Little, just a little smooch. Yeah. Let the um, kids that's be the gay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I I like this, and here's my hang up. Um, much like most of the things that we share in flavor text that I say, I really really like. If they could condense all of this into like a two-hour special, I would watch it. I'd watch it every I'll, year. The my strongest my strongest counter argument to that, Todd, is each episode each season is only thirteen episodes. They're twenty-minute episodes. You can blow through a season in about three hours. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'm more likely um, to watch this than. Evangelion. Then the Mandalorian or Mandalorian? <laughs> I oh, you're I the you're watching, not. You've watched. I you're watching. The watching the Andrew's the Mandalorian. Oh, it's Andrew's the Mandalorian. Andrew's you, the pervert. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I also really enjoyed this. I will probably watch it eventually. I mean, I finished Last Airbender this year, or last year, I guess, 2022. Um, and Korra has been on my list for a while. I knew up front that it was more anime ish. You explaining it to me confirmed that it was more anime-ish, which means I will it's probably way like more it anime -ish. less. Um, but I, you know, Andrew walking me through 
Evangelion got me to watch that show. Got so. you there. Yeah, my the last thing I will. S- the last thing I will say um, before I close out is that there is a lot, a lot, a lot of really good like character stuff and interpersonal relationship stuff and like things that are hard to bring up in this already excruciatingly long flavor text that are present in the show that you will not get through my plot point by plot point retelling and if you are at all curious once again could probably watch the whole series in a long in a weekend each season would only take you about three hours to watch i can't recommend it more with that thank you all for listening to debate this you can follow along with the arguments on twitter facebook and instagram at debate this cast or on our website at debatethiscast.com. Hey, you. Yeah, you. If you're listening to this episode on the day it releases, or within the subsequent 48 hours, and you live in or near Milwaukee, Wisconsin, then do we have good news for you. We, and by we I mean everyone except me specifically, (laughs) will be performing our first live show ever at the Midwest Gaming Classic in Milwaukee this weekend. Unfortunately, I cannot make the Midwest Gaming Classic in Milwaukee, but Todd, Matt, and Andrew will all be there. They will be doing a live show. I am told there will be audience participation. I am told there will be PowerPoints. You should, if you can make it to Milwaukee, make go there. 7 p.m. That's this Saturday. That's weird to say here, like three weeks away, but 7 p.m. this Saturday on the side stage. Come and see us. If you can't come to Milwaukee on two days' notice, but still really want to support your favorite nerds, head on over to our Patreon for Discord access, bonus content, and the ability to commission your own flavor text just like this one. Give us your money at patreon.com/slash debate this cast. Until next time, I'm Kyle Harper. I'm Todd Zahir Zafar, wherever you Zahar Thomas. <laughs> and I'm Matt. Pronounce a werewolf's teeth incorrectly on the coast. Call that a bayfong, Cole. <laughs> and we're saying thanks for debating with us. And if you think we're wrong, you can come fight us behind the swing sets, nerds. Matt, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard.